for a reason people are talking about a scheme now for exit. They're trying to make it a bad thing look good. It is not good. Farmers want to be left alone. They want to be allowed to continue producing beef, producing beef, which they're good at and better than anywhere else in the world. children have always been bought and sold, and you'd be right. But now, when there's more information than ever before about the scale of the horror, anyone demanding the raising of the alarm is treated with suspicion, if not outright contempt. The team behind a movie on general release in the United States called The Sound of Freedom, about the efforts of one man to disrupt child trafficking and to rescue as many children. Resistance Chicks, we're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. It's Sunday, which means we're going to go all around the world in this week's top news. Now, you guys may have noticed that we've been on a, a Sound of Freedom kick. We're going to be on that Sound of Freedom kick for quite some time. Uh, but Neil Oliver, across the pond, also is calling out, as you saw in that clip right there. He is calling it out and saying, hey, why is it that everyone wants to be silent about that? Now, I could get into the rest of the stories, but Leah is sitting here very studiously looking at a scripture that she is about to read. No, go, keep going. Tell them, tell them everything. Tell them, tell them all the stories. Okay. Lab-grown meat. <clears throat> I'm not eating it. Can someone please explain to me why? Just like why? Like literally why? So here we have in Ireland, our top one of our top stories here this week is that Irish protesters, Irish farmers, excuse me, are protesting the fact that they're going to call 2,000 dairy cows. 200. 200,000, excuse me. 200,000 dairy cows. So you can't have the dairy cows, but you can have the lab-grown meat. Mm -hmm. Because somehow the dairy cows, which are actually good for the environment, are bad for the environment, so they say. But consuming... Guys, this is so, it's an abomination. It is satanic. And that's all I have to say about it. It is, it is an abomination and it is satanic. Up is down and down is up. Okay, you got Ursula von der Leyen becoming the climate czar. Um, I, I don't, these people, they think that they are master magicians. Sleight of hand, fooling everyone into eating their the equivalent of lab-grown meat, disgusting ideas that don't make any sense. Most of us are sound-minded enough to see right through it. But at the bottom line, at the base of all of it, we need to know who our real enemy is. And that's the devil. It's not yeah. Ursula von der Leyen. It's not George Soros. It's not even lab-grown meat. 
okay? It's not the Irish government wanting to kill 200,000 cows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, they are pawns of Satan. And when you reduce it to the lowest common denominator, then we can fight that. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to battle the devil than it is to battle people. Yeah, so when I do the Sunday show, sometimes I get really excited and uh, come up with a lot of fun stuff. And I actually have a lot of fun things for today's show as well. Um, but today's show, I think, started off... Um, she needs the pre-show. I think that... No, today's show, I'm guessing the, the Lord showed me, is that um, when we're going into these high places... You have to have the full armor of God on. And if you're going to try to take down these types of people, you know, Michelle and I have an Andrew Tate video that we haven't put up yet because of fear of wondering if they'll come and cancel us because everybody who comes against Andrew Tate online gets canceled. And fear is not of God. And if you have fear, you have to just say, God, what is, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do here? And there is a place where there's wisdom. Um, but right now, we have a major motion picture, Sound of Freedom. And I think the first video we'll start out with is the um, Neil Oliver video. So when you're done clicking and sharing, then go ahead and bring his video up. Um, because he asked a lot of the really pertinent questions who owns our children and why are we sexualizing children and Britt Baza our resident kind of British correspondent um, Barry he sent me some links about a woman named um, White House her last name forget her first name I'm going to bring it up in a minute and in the 70s and 80s she went on a crusade against the sexualization and the abuse of children and because there were some things where she went, uh, she saw too much. Somebody, there was a song or an artist that she thought said balls, but it was a real ball. And Alice Cooper's song um, about school, okay. um, she was against. And, and people made fun of her because it went number. Like they ridiculed this woman. But at one time, this woman in the UK, Mary Whitehouse, she kind of um, held court over a lot of the things in film and TV. And I remember when I was a kid in the 80s and 90s and there was uh, PBS and they played stuff from British television, my mom said, you can't, you're not allowed to watch that. Mm -hmm. Because the, the humor, she just called it crude humor, but kids should not be around sexualized jokes and curse words. And there's an interview with this Mary Whitehouse that I'm gonna play after Neil Oliver because they go hand in hand, where the interviewer is smoking a cigarette and she's like, these kids hear cuss words all the time. Why can't they hear them on TV? And these, why are you trying, are you sexually repressed yourself? Um, very dark, very evil. And it's the foundation of where we're at today. Because of the likes of her and everybody kind of raked her over the coals. But she actually became very famous and was a crusader for people in the middle of the country, England, middle England, because these moms who love their kids and TV was in media and music were a major part of society. Um, the Beatles were not good people, right? 
right? You have, you know, what you call it, Marion Yoko Ono, who's a witchcraft and posting, posing nude pictures and um, all these little things were, you know, the slippery slope, people made fun of the Christians back then. And and here's, the here's the problem, though. In today's day and age, when we listen to those songs, by and large, they seem cleaner and more wholesome. Mm -hmm. But that's why you're talking about the slippery slope. We get to a place where it's like we look around and they're trying to cut off kids' genitals. And you go, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. It's because that one moment where society went off the path, God's path, and everybody said, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry. And it really was a big deal because it irrevocably changed, not, and not irrevocably because we are going to change. We're going to, with the power of God, we're going to get it back. But it really set that course off to end up where we're at right now. And so some people don't like, if, if I say this, and that's okay. You need to repent if you really like the Beatles. You need to repent if you like the Beach Boys. You need to repent if you like all of those bands that at the time were pushing the envelope of perversion. When you look at the Beach Boys, they would go out with these girls in these swimsuits with their chest hanging out. And it was all about girls and 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 sex. And, and, yeah. sex and, and these bands were literally channeling Satan. Mm-hmm. And it seems so wholesome now only because you're comparing it to what we have like right now, but it, it's all Satan. Well, the fun kind of sex leads to the not fun <clears throat> kind of sexual perversion. Exactly. And it all seems fun and good, but sin seems really fun. Right. Why can't we just all be sleeping around with each other as teenagers and right. college kids and drinking and partying? It's so much fun, right? Why do you want us not to have fun? Well... It's not about not having fun. It's about getting to the place of like pleasure or happiness the wrong way. You can get rich and you can do it the wrong way, right? And this is this is where our society is, has led. And I, I will read a scripture. We're going to read um, Second uh, Chronicles. We're going to talk about what it means to cleanse ourselves and what it means to reinstate the Passover and I'm not talking about the Jewish Passover because Jesus has become the Passover lamb. And so if we need, if our society is going sideways, then we need to reinstate the Passover, which is reinstate Jesus as King, Jesus as Lord. So let's go ahead and play uh, Neil Oliver's clip where he talks about our overlords. He talks about the sexualization of children and he talks about the, um, the, the, the fact that parents aren't even allowed now to, well, you are allowed. Let me rephrase that. There's a push to try to take away parental authority um, because they know that's, that's what the Alice Cooper song was about. That's why Mary Whitehouse would have been the Al against the Alice Cooper song against school. Uh, not that I'm a big fan of school, but the mocking of parents mm -hmm. in the 70s and 80s was designed to give it, get this generation to a place where, of course, you don't need parents. Your parents mean nothing. Right. Your parents, you know, and then the push by those people who mocked parents are now being those same parents who uh, um, are mutilating their children. Can you imagine the, and, and, and we swallow it hook, line, and sinker. We like laugh about it and we think it's fine, but- Society is literally raising your children to believe that you don't know anything. Yes. And here's the thing. I listened to a, um, Matt Walsh did a interview with a transgender male 
and he said he Matt Walsh asked him to define a woman and he said or when did you find out you were a woman he's like when I was listening to a YouTuber of a transgender describe situations and I felt like that was me and Matt Walsh had to push him and push him what do you mean he's like well I would go to Boy Scouts and I just didn't feel like I fit Mm-hmm. So I must be a different gender, right? Because I they're very crafty. Else That's how they get these it. kids to. And he said basically, a woman is somebody who's accepted by other women in a woman's only space. Yeah, that's the definition. And this all just goes to show you how pliable children are. Well, this is a grown man. Like at the time, he was a child. No, 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 no. A YouTuber. No, this was a grown man two years ago. He's like thirty-five years old. Oh, you're kidding? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. I missed that because you said Boy Scouts. But he, when he, he said that when he was in Boy Scouts, okay. he didn't feel like he fit in. So he was so going he, back like 20 years. Yeah. Different things. So he's an adult. He's an adult at this. And wow. it's just changed two years ago. And it looks, he's a dude. Okay. We're a long way through the looking glass now. Well inside the alternative reality <laughs> where up is down and wrong is right. Where anything goes for a self-selecting in crowd. And if you're not in that in-crowd, then your sense of right and wrong makes you a reactionary, fascist, conspiracy theorist fit only for ridicule and cancellation. I know I'm saying some of the same things over and over, but it's only because those things are true and worth remembering and keeping. And I won't stop repeating them, because if we stop telling the truth, then the game's over. In the end, the truth is all we have, but also all we need. It's important to know we're being actively and blatantly lied to by the authorities. If you don't know as much already, know now that the authorities lie about anything and everything and always have because it's in the nature of the personalities involved. Good liars are hard to spot, but by now we're being lied to by bad liars, which at least makes it easier to see them coming. Just as a for instance, Rishi Sunak is utterly, utterly unconvincing about everything, even when it comes to playing the part of a regular human being. If he was telling the truth, which he isn't, he still couldn't sell a life raft to a drowning man. Spotting the lies now is, as the cliché has it, like shooting fish in a barrel. Fundamentally, we're now being lied to about the right way to think, the right way to see the world, the right value judgments to make. We're being lied to about what basic morality looks like. I say we've been walked through the looking glass towards the point where we're to believe all the values we held before were wrong. I say don't believe a word of it. The metal fittings that hold the oars in place on a rowing boat are called rollocks. What we're being told now sounds a lot like rollocks, but it's a word I can't say at 6pm. We were invited to see BBC newsreader Hugh Edwards as a conventional figure. In recent days, it's been apparent that in many ways he's unconventional. But the response from the in-crowd in the aftermath of that unexpected revelation, the reply from the self-proclaimed great and good, from those that think they know best and that certainly like to tell the rest of us what to think has been, what word to use, revealing. Frankly, it's none of your chattering class, white van driving, state educated business, they've said in not so many words. That, in short, has been the message from above. The Sun newspaper broke the story. People all over the place paid attention, reacting out of surprise, and many started to make noises that they were unimpressed, to say the least. And then the Alistair Campbells, John Simpsons and the rest weighed in to inform us that the activities of one of their own, one of the in-crowd, were none of our concern. What's worth noticing more than anything else is how quickly and overwhelmingly we've been encouraged to disregard as utterly irrelevant the revelations themselves. 
and to condemn instead those who've asked questions about what exactly was going on when it came to someone who nightly trots out the state of the nation as the establishment wants us to see it. One authority figure after another has come forward in recent days with words to the effect that if there's a problem, then it rests not with them in the in crowd, but with us out here in the general population. It comes from the same in crowd that says, when we do it, whatever we do, it's because we're superior and sophisticated in ways you regular tax-paying law-abiding types cannot begin to appreciate. The overweening condescension of the self-appointed in-crowd has always been there. The difference now is that they're rubbing our noses in it as part of the effort to bully us into thinking everything we think is just plain wrong. Over and over again during the years just past, those regarding themselves as our betters in every way blatantly disregarded the rules and regulations they had imposed upon the rest of us. The message was that in COVID, as in the rest of life, it was one set of rules for us and none at all for them. And you better not question it or else. When we do it, it's because we're intellectuals who went to the right schools and universities. When we fly in private jets and take multi-car cavalcades to the climate bicycle. conference, it's because nothing's going bit. to change for us while everything changes for you. When you heat your home with a gas boiler and drive a diesel van for your work, it's because you're downright stupid and reckless. We'll heat our homes how we like and drive what we want while you walk to work and live colder, hungrier lives. I read politics, philosophy and economics at Oxford, they say. So when I didn't wear a mask and parted with my chums, it was altogether different than when you proles felt the need to gather at your dying dad's bedside or hold hands at his funeral. Always the message is along the lines of pay your TV licence and get along with you if you know what's good for you. Or raise a question or two about any of the in-crowd and feel the wrath. What I'm asking is, where are we now when it comes to what most people would consider ordinary values, family values? Where are we when it comes to knowing the ways of life to stand by and to defend? Do we any longer have agreed standards of acceptable behaviour? Setting aside the drama of the past week, it's hard not to notice a bigger, more sinister trend. The all-encompassing notion we're being invited to accept is that nothing about traditional values and morals matters now. It's especially the case that nothing that is nothing to do with the human, nothing to do with the family, nothing to do with the child, is sacrosanct anymore. That echoing message of you'll own nothing and you'll be happy turns out to mean that among everything else we're supposed to hand over is any certainty about right and wrong. Apparently we're to be happy with the idea that right is whatever the powerful say it is. As well as being happy without our freedoms, our cash, our right to home ownership, to drive our cars, we're to be happy without our opinions, far less the right to express them, or to be happy with whatever we're given, including what to think. Having opinions about what our children are told at school is apparently the mark of a disruptive, intolerant, dissenting radical. Questioning the notion of men in drag reading fairy tales to toddlers makes us right next door to criminal. Knowing that as parents, we should have the final say in what our children are taught about sex and relationships and by whom is apparently a mindset that comes from consuming all that misinformation on the internet. All the time, the message from on high seems to be, why are you bothering about the education, the conditioning of your child, and outmoded ideas about protecting the innocence of childhood? More and more, I worry about the well-being of children, about what they're being told is right, about what they're being encouraged to accept as normal everyday life. And out there in the darkened background of what we're being invited to see is the knowledge, the absolute fact indeed, that unknown and uncounted numbers of babies and children are being trafficked around the world. 
You might say children have always been bought and sold, and you'd be right. But now, when there's more information than ever before about the scale of the horror, anyone demanding the raising of the alarm is treated with suspicion, if not outright contempt. The team behind a movie on general release in the United States called The Sound of Freedom, about the efforts of one man to disrupt child trafficking and to rescue as many children as possible, is under attack by the in-crowd. Rather than concentrate their fire on the monstrous trade in children, bigger than the arms trade, soon to be bigger than the drugs trade, mainstream critics and pundits are more inclined to ridicule the people attending the movie as white-haired QAnon crazies. Instead of dealing head-on with the nightmare described by the movie, the preferred response has been to suggest that anyone taking the allegations seriously is no more than a crank. The Sound of Freedom has taken more than $40 million at the box office already this month, but in Rolling Stone magazine, the piece by the author seemed less interested in the content of the film and more inclined to ridicule audience members calling out Amen in response to uplifting moments. Are we supposed to take from that the idea that practising Christians are more appropriate targets for attack than people buying and selling babies? In the strange new world where apparently to disregard the well-being of the child is all just more of the ethos of owning nothing and being happy, which is to say that in the threatened future parents will have no say over their children either. In the imagined, idealised world of the future, children and therefore the adults they might become will be the concern not of the parents and the family, but of the state. The pervasive message that anything goes as long as it's not illegal is as corrosive as cancer. As government grows more powerful, more distant from the people, so that government feels more entitled to write yet more legislation to the detriment of those people, what might they legalise next, or at least invite us to regard as perfectly acceptable? Why, for example, is there always a push to further lower the age of consent? I say now that the scent in the wind discernible to anyone paying attention is that next nudge, the nudge right now, is towards accepting paedophilia. Paedophilia is going mainstream, Paedophilia by any other name, those that were once called paedophiles are now described as minor attracted persons. Mm -hmm. Always the tactic is the same. It's about a foot in the door, then a leg, then the whole body. Exactly. Have you noticed the steady procession of so-called authority figures? People were supposed to trust and to believe, refusing to condemn behaviour that five years ago would have been regarded as beyond the pale, while simultaneously refusing to say what a woman is. Here's the thing. Despite what you may have felt yourself being led to believe, right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. The well-being of children, all children, must always be central to our civilization. And don't for one second take your eyes off anyone trying to distract you from the truth. That was so good. Well said, Neil Oliver. Man, again, knocked it out of the park. And I love how he talks about how it's this slippery slope, like we were talking about in the start of the show. It is, that's how we got here. You know, um, like... It's a, it's a slippery slope when it comes to all these different, you know, it used to be you're a pedophile. Well, now you're a minor attracted person. No, there is no minor attracted person, okay? That's that's not a thing, right? Mm -hmm. You're just a pedophile. Let me read this comment from Virginia. I'm really proud of her. She says, I love you guys, and I wish I had a platform to do what you do. I am kind of shy, but I walk up to people to tell them to go see the movie, and I would be more than happy to pay for the but ticket. But farmers I will am say... praying to God for what he wants me to do. Please pray for me that God reveals... Um, what he wants me to do before I leave this world. God bless you both. And I love how you reveal the truth. So Virginia, just doing that, that you're like approaching people and saying, Hey, I'll buy you a ticket to see mm -hmm. the, sound, the sound of freedom. That's huge. 
And that takes a lot of guts to do. As a matter of fact, it's way easier to do what Leah and I do sitting behind the computer than when we're out in the public doing the things that you're talking about, which we do do those as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I will tell you, it's easier to sit behind my little computer screen, you know, and just read, you know, great comments from you guys. So I'm very, very proud of you. Leah, what's next? I'm trying to trying to get to where I you can we're seeing the same the history's not coming up. Okay. The video that I just played. To, I wanted to play the Mary right, refresh, White House video. Let me refresh but the page. It's not playing. On this Is it computer. this one? Um, there we go. Yeah. All right. So Leah, again, we're back to the for those that maybe just joined us, this Mary White House lady, she was kind of a moral compass for the UK. In the 70s. In the 80s, yeah. So, yeah, Barry sent me this just to give us an idea of people who, in the past, they saw what was coming. Stop! Yeah, and she was mocked. All right, which one do we want to play first? This that one? one? Just that one first, yeah. In our society today, we are She's all susceptible yes, to the influences hilarious. of the media. Yeah. We make no apologies for talking once again to someone who at the same time as criticizing the media is also able to manipulate it. Last week I talked to someone who many people consider to be the lady next door. Every watch, her, watch her the way the way she talks. Manipulate rather than influence. Right. Everybody's favorite auntie, Mrs. Mary Whitehouse. But is this a true image any longer? Do ordinary people have this power that Mrs. Whitehouse now has? She, as an example, has immediate access to everyone in a position of power in our society today. Mrs. Whitehouse, that's true. I wouldn't have thought so. I don't know who these people are that I have immediate access to. Uh, you know that you can come in and telephone any newspaper, any MP, any television company, and that the name if you just say, Mrs. Mary Whitehouse, on the telephone, they will talk to you, they will listen to you. Is that not true? To some extent that's true, but I want to say this. I don't think that I have now any power, and I wouldn't want to have any power, that everybody else doesn't have. I think that all that I am doing on behalf of our association is to exercise a, a democratic right, which we have in this country, for people who feel keenly about any particular aspects of our life to up and say so. N nevertheless, the fact is that Mrs. Smith at home, who happens, let's say, to disagree with you, has not herself oh, well, got the same look, power. Look, let's get all this in, in perspective. Uh, when um, we began nine years ago, uh, my friend and I were two very ordinary Mrs. Smiths and we started to speak out on this matter and uh, we only have the position we now have because we've continued to do so. So I don't think it's right to, to put us in any special position at all. Now, how many people do you consider you represent? Well, if you, it, as far as the association itself is concerned, we have between 12 and 13,000 memberships. That's subscribing members. These are yes. memberships, not members, because many of these represent block memberships of organizations, churches, what have you. How many would that represent? Some, between two and three million. But now I want to say, in a, 
addition to that, I'm, I'm really not in any doubt at all because of the way I travel up and down the country and speak to every type of, uh, of group, that the vast majority of in the, uh, people in the country do share a concern about what's happening, particularly to the young, and about uh, standards and quality of life that comes through our television But program. do you feel also that, the, after all, there are something like 30 million mm. television viewers, mm. that there are very many more people who may not, and they are not organised at this moment. I'm not saying whether it's their fault or not. The fact is they're not organised. They're not going to be able to phone MPs other than individuals, well, uh, journalists see, other than individuals. No, no, I don't honestly think you can assume this at all. If these people existed in, in the kind of strength and numbers that you uh, believe they exist, I, I, I can't conceive that they wouldn't have organised and spoken out. Do you not feel that tolerance, you know, that the kind of people who are rather tolerant and re let's say even uh, if you're talking about sex at all, uh, rather happy in their sex lives and so on, are not going to be impelled to protest? Oh, well, I think it depends what you think we're talking about. You talk about people who are happy in their sex life. So am I. And I've always been. Uh, you, you mustn't assume that because we speak out on these issues that we're a group of people who aren't happy about our sex life. <laughs> it's actually because we believe that sex is so important and uh, that we feel that the present obsession with sex... I mean, we, we don't start this. We are reacting to an obsession with sex in society through the mass media, through advertising, everywhere you look. And it's because we want the young not to be pressurised and not to be exploited in this field so that they can grow up to develop their own sexuality, to discover for themselves what sex as part of the whole business of living is all about. That we do what we do. And, and quite honestly, on the matter of, of numbers, there have been... I felt like that was one of her most pertinent points is that um through all of the tiktoks i think i read on our show friday that every 100 percent of the children who wanted gender reassignment watch tiktok and they admit to seeing uh between 5 and 15 transgender videos every time they open up tiktok multiple times a day mm -hmm. and so with this idea of we just want children to explore their own sexuality, but no, you see Planned Parenthood is constantly putting up images of uh, bondage gear, anal things, oral things, things that uh, you have to be taught that don't come naturally. And so what we are trying to do, what Mary Whitehouse seemed to, I don't know much about her, I just watched some videos, but I thought it was very pertinent and, and, and powerful. Uh, it, we actually would like to restore children's um, Free development will. into a human being right. and who they would want to be. Let me ask you this, Leah, and, and I know we, we can get back to this in a second, but like this is what blows my mind. I believe that a in order to allow a child to properly develop into whatever they are to be sexually you would just allow them to develop in society. Now, we're being told that it is brainwashing to tell children about a mommy and a daddy and proper genders, and they need to be then opened up and influenced to the other side. I contest that with this. Mankind can only continue to exist through the way that it has existed 
for the past, if you want to say millions of years, that's fine. I say 6,000 years, roughly. Okay. So we have the way that all creatures exist, right? Except for a, a few. So you allow them that norm, okay? And you, you do not need to then influence them with an idea of something else. You just allow them to grow up naturally yeah. and then decide for themselves. Right. In during the course of the last nine years since we started, a, a number of people who have tried to organize what you might call opposition groups to what we do, but they've never got off the ground. You, you don't think that's anything to do with the fact that they don't actually have uh, the strong feeling that things should be changed, that things should be stopped, that they actually believe that television is all no, right the way it I, is? All my experience, uh, and if I may say this, I, I, I think probably we are in rather a unique way uh, positioned to judge this, simply because we do uh, have, you know, speak at so many meetings of every kind, up and down the country, to hundreds of people every time, that the concern that we have is shared by the vast majority of people, that I believe absolutely to be and true. And yet, I mean, if you work in television at all, if you work in newspapers, you get hundreds of letters from people saying, in effect, who does she think she is? Why do I have to believe uh, that these programs well, should I mean, not go on. Well, I mean, I wonder how on. true this is. You yourself were taking part in a television program last Sunday, and the reaction that had come in from the public was that the um, the proposition that the permissive society was danger. dangerous had 55% of the people who had written in believe that to be true and I think only 20% of them uh, supported your position. You don't feel that so. there has anything to do with the fact that people who are insecure, who are worried and doubtful and not in a position of some kind of happiness if you like cannot really respond. Not at all. It is the people who are so aware of how happy and exciting and stimulating life can be. These are the people who are so concerned at the image of life which is being presented to so much, so many of the young people. I, I don't think you've got it right if I may say so. Well now, you were talking a little while ago about the Potter, De the, the Dennis Potter play that was this on was television last week. Last week. Yes. yes. Now, um, I was truly astonished to hear you say that you thought that this was something like 90% worse than the Warhol film which well, none what, of us have seen. What yet. I said actually was that if, if the war, although we haven't seen the Warhol film, uh, what the judges said, that this was 10% offensive and indecent. Yes. I would certainly say that that play, uh, the, the Potter play, was 90% offensive and indecent. In what way? Well, I thought the whole concept in the first place was very sick indeed. The concept? I mean, this was a man who was dictating a play yes. of his to mm. a secretary. Yeah. We've oh, already seen the play. I'm not talking about dictating a play television. to a secretary. No. Uh, I'm talking about the whole concept of the play itself, of the characterization, of the whole sexuality of the people in the play. I mean, they were, they were all in one way or another sick. But the thing that I think people would find very offensive indeed would be the language. Now, that's very interesting because what language did they use? Well, if you're asking me to repeat no, I remember on television, they I said <laughs> bitch. I remember him saying bitch ah, quite yes. frequently. But if you remember that play, the whole level of the discussion of sexuality was on, on to put it mildly, 
on an exceedingly coarse level indeed. What, what is coarse? Uh, well, I mean, people must just... You, uh, I would suspect that most of the people who are watching this programme know very well what coarse language is. I, would have, I don't I, think we have to identify I would have thought we do have to, because... Really? Um, yes, uh, a couple of weeks ago, on open night, there were children talking about television. Mm. Now, one of the subjects they were talking about was swearing on television. And one of the things they brought up was, well, what were your own feelings about the till death do us part? Uh, well, kind no, I of wasn't language. No, you no, weren't no. participating, no. but they were bringing it up. Yeah. And they asked the children if they thought that this was bad, and they said, no, they'd heard all this before, and they asked, have you heard more than this, mm. more, mm. Uh, what you would call dirty language, outside the television screen, and the boys, three of them, I think, said, absolutely, of course we have. Well, now, quite, well what does this prove? It proves only that, that life is different. Yes, even but this is really what one's... Con the whole of what one's concerned about. If you believe, as I certainly believe, and I believe that people who work in television believe it too, that television is the most powerful medium. In fact, the BBC says this, the most powerful medium ever to affect the thinking and behaviour of people. And yet it that does not say words that the children in ordinary families yes, but know. Ah, oh, but why are children today knowing words of this kind and having this level of of language. You see, now, can I make this point, because I think it's tremendously important. It doesn't really matter what four letters make up one particular word. This isn't what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the level of our culture and of our communication. And one of the things that is now happening, which once again I think is so... Well, it, this in a way is, is sick and rather frightening, is that instead of helping the young and I was responsible for sex education, so I understand a little bit about this, to learn more mature ways of expressing uh, sexual matters and sexual interest. What is happening now is that adults are putting a seal of respectability on the sort of four-letter word syndrome, which adolescent boys have always written on lavatory walls. In other words, instead of helping the young, to mature and develop in their communication, we're suddenly saying to them, oh no, we won't help you to grow up, we will go back and mm -hmm. join you in your adolescent culture. But what, right. what, could be, what can be actually damaging, actually harmful to children about words? Oh, goodness me, you say, what? I don't understand that question. Words are the means by which we express ourselves, by which uh, to a great extent, our culture is judged. And you see, I think we have to help the young to grow through the sort of rebellious crudities of adolescence and find more subtle, more beautiful, more tender ways of expressing what they yes, feel. But is there any harm, any active yes. harm yes, on, in certain words? Because it's the degradation of your culture. It's the degradation of the whole quality of the way you communicate with one another and the way you live. I think this is, this is a very harmful thing. You don't think it's better for them to be able to... I mean, I have noticed one thing myself, uh, and that is that the words that I remember in my youth being written up in railway carriages um, and in, on walls and so on are not written up anymore because they well, are now acceptable. Therefore, they are no nothing. Really? No, nothing. Well, must they are simply not existing anymore. <laughs> because given the seal of approval by adults, in a sense, if, if that's what we're doing, we are saying they are not as dirty as you thought they were, therefore you don't have oh, to worry. No, I, Rebellion I, I, is not necessary in no, those ways no, no, anymore. No, no. In a way, 
the young have to have something to rebel against. See, I, don't, I have no evidence, sci uh, psychological evidence, to know how sound my theory about this is. But I just ask myself, uh, if you remove from adolescents the words with which they rebel against mature people in their society, and you make their rebellious words acceptable. Mm. Where then do the young go to rebel? Perhaps because they don't need to. Oh, they must rebel. I mean, this is all part of, of, of growing up. The young must rebel at some particular point against the ideas and, that have been passed down to them. They must question But you them. are trying to stop them no, from not. actually trying to rebel. No, I'm not. You've got not at all. Well, no, not at all. What I'm saying is this, that it's essential that the young at some point question the values that have been handed but down it's to them. Okay, I'm sorry. That lady is my new favorite person. Is she still alive? No. Oh, man. So she hit the nail on so many heads. I'm like, she was like whack-a-mole with that idiot uh, lady that was interviewing her. She's, She's saying that the, the lady said that they no, they don't write dirty words anymore. Have you been to a school lately that kids always That was write? in the 70s, and they were writing them on lavatory walls in the 70s. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and those kids that did that in my high school were not good kids. But get the point that Mary Whitehouse makes there. All children need to have something to push back against, to kind of to question and find out who they are. What do I believe? And if you l continually lower the level of degradation, then now the only way to rebel is to cut off your body parts. Mm -hmm. Whereas back then in the 70s, we're just talking about curse words. So which is better? Yeah, and I wouldn't say that all children need to rebel, but I did. I think Thomas Jefferson told his son, uh, question everything, question even the existence of God. And so you need to just not accept everything that you're taught. But what, what, the, what she was saying was that you keep lowering and lowering and lowering to where the only way to rebel now, the, 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 the final form of degradation will be child pedophilia. Yeah. Right? And the child sex trafficking. And people are pushing back. And so in order to push back, you need to re, re kind of unearth some of the people that did it before. Uh, this particular interviewer was saying to Mary Whitehouse, well, you have this platform. Well, she was just an average housewife right. and was actually just being a voice for other people. And the, the, the degradation that she this interview did and some other people when talking about Mary Whitehouse, it was so, I don't know how she sat there and smiled because they talked about her so badly. They made fun of her so much. She became a household name of, of mocking and ridicule okay to the point almost maybe where she, there was a backlash against her but she was she's just one person um i think there was another interviewer where um she said that they were you know mocking the lord jesus christ and different things like that um on television and british television ha you have to pay into that and the BBC would actually fund and put a lot of this stuff out there, this this funny stuff. And, you know, I think the play that she's referring to, this... this Andy Warhol. The, this, I think that was a different one. She said the Warhol play. Was it the play or that was the movie? The movie oh, and then okay. there was a play. Okay. But anyways, you know, these guys come out, they do the... The people come out and they, they push the novel. 
they push it to the limits where you're saying these curse words, where you are saying these sexual terms. And she wasn't even just referring to curse words. She meant the language as a whole that was overtly sexual at yeah, the time. Exactly. <laughs> and that um, interviewer was kind of trying to push like, well, what is so bad mm -hmm. about, is it really harmful for children mm -hmm. to be sexualized, to use these curse words? Well, and here's, here's why. When she said that children must rebel, it's not that she meant that they must rebel, but they must have a level of which they, you, they understand this is, I am taught that this is right and this is wrong. Mm -hmm. There has to be this, this line. But do you know what she said? We must push them forward beyond that to teach children. They say um, it takes three extra years for boys' brains to develop than girls, and they're right. not developed into their 20s. And so teach them a way to talk about sexual things that is mature. and that is pure and yeah. mature, to mature to a place of adulthood. Don't be as these adults and go down their level to, and this is where we're at, to where adults are at, um, and you've seen it with the Adam Sandler movies. Adam Sandler, as a full-grown adult, and his movies are a 15-year-old boy. And we all say that. You're like a 15-year-old boy. When that should not be accepted in society, when grown men act like, and we all know that, an adolescent teen boy. Right. And we all, and here's the thing. When you go back to um, the Founding Fathers era or 100 years ago, when we're talking adolescents, we're actually talking... Let me put it this way. Guess what? Prior to the 1900s, there was no such thing as adolescence. Mm -hmm. The problem, here's the, here's the reason why you have adolescence, and I would actually push back on Mary Whitehouse. Before the 1900s and the advent of secondary school and keeping kids in, and, and, and if you guys A don't know this. perpetual state of adolescence. If you guys don't know this in the UK, they finish high school at 16. And their age of consent is 16. Like, you're an adult, like, at 16, but you can't, I don't think you can vote until you're 18. So, with that, um, before even the, the, the adding of the extra two years, you, you ended school at eighth grade, and you went on to either become an apprentice at 13 years old, or you went to Harvard or Yale in the United States. And you became, and you were being trained for adulthood, Yeah. and you didn't... Really, your kind of rebellious years or, or kid years were only 11 and 12. So basically, when you see the coarse jesting on TV, that's an 11 and 12-year-old developed mind, right? Y'all need to understand something, okay, about Leah. And I, I hate to interrupt her, but um, and I this is not on a judgment on anyone at all. Please hear me out on this. I know I probably offended some people when I talked about repenting from the Beatles and the Beach Boys, and I get that. Okay, I get that Leah and I have seen, like, extreme prudes. But we, no, we've done the rock and roll blogs and I still will listen to the songs here and there, but it's like wanting to be part of that culture, recognizing that they were, they, you guys were conspiracy theorists. Come on. We know that they channeled Satan. Come on. There, when, when we were growing up as children, we watched sitcoms mm -hmm. as children, we, the clean ones. We watched, you know, the full, Cosby, Full, full House, House, things yeah. like that. They, they, they're designed for children. Steve Urkel. Essentially. Okay. Yeah. Family Matters. But we may be the weird enigma, um, and it could be because my mom said no, but Leah and I never watched Friends. 
We never watched Seinfeld. We never watched, oh, what's that? Frasier. Frasier, we never watched. And then and then continuing on into our 20s and 30s, we never watched, um, what was that, Around the Planet that, that, that with Ashton Kutcher, that show that he was in, that sit sitcom that everyone watched all the time. Um, we didn't watch sitcoms. Why? Because the the humor in a, in sitcoms is often very crude and childish. So Leah and I were pretty we, much yeah kept it, from that that yeah. that kind of sitcommy. Well, no, you adolescence. can't sit down and watch it at, at, as a family anymore. We watched Tim the Toolman Taylor, you know, exactly, and the, and they would joke about you know him hurting himself with a power tool or something, right? Um, but then the next generation, we had it was Tuesday night family night. You could watch like Full House and Family Members, and then it turned to like Friday Family Matters, and it could turn to Friday nights, and all that stuff was clean. And then the humor got dark, and it and, and it wanted to reflect society. So it started to bring in things like AIDS and HIV and homosexuality and crude jokes, and um, it, it became all sexually based. Like they couldn't have a joke without some sort of sexual humor right. in it, you know. But there were when I was a kid, there were decent shows. There was Superman. Remember but I, Superman? Yes, I yeah. Those were Dean shows, King. not sitcoms, though. And so I I have found myself. Just I I can't get over how much sh how how shocked I am when people started watching South Park and when the average person started to watch these um what was that the King of the Hill like cartoons for adults the yeah. Simpsons like I just I just remember even growing up thinking to myself this is how are adults sitting down and watching these childish things and it's because they were pushing through the media as Mary Whitehouse describes. To, to perpetuate adults coming down to that writing dirty words on a lavatory stall childish level. It was designed to do that, and society as a whole bought it. So you know, Hook, line, and sinker. We watched a movie, it was, I don't recommend it, um, where the author, um, who, who is the, oh, who is, um, who's the actor who plays, um, who was the movie that we watched? It was really hard to watch with Colin Farrell. Um, oh, that was terrible! I have no idea what that yeah. was even called. So, but here's the thing: it was an, it was filmed on location. It was a, it was was a British a movie. It was on yeah. a ship, and it dealt with this captain and how they were trying to uh, sink a ship. And it dealt with some very dark themes of raping a, a boy, a cabin boy, and buggery, and buggery, and things like that. And it dealt with it in a way. That was really too much for me to handle, but it wasn't in a way that you would want to do. You want you would want it to be crude. It wasn't crude humor. It, it dealt with it in a way that this is bad, yeah. that this is wrong, that this is harmful, rather than all of these these really sick jokes about sexuality. Sexuality is not, it never should be a joke. Right. It should never be, it's called crude humor for a reason because it debases you so that when you actually, we were I was talking about this with Jason and you guys send Jason Hiding there some messages and say, hey, I hear the resistance chicks say that you have some really awesome things to say. They you wouldn't be even know how reels. to get a hold of him. It would be on Facebook. On Facebook. But he, um, he said, we were talking about like man camp versus like family camp. And he's like, you're right because Men don't even know, or they need to learn how to be around women in a non-sexual manner and treat them with respect and with honor and with dignity and like your your sister. 
You know, and I, I, I'm going to take the time and we got a ton of stories to get to. So we'll move on from this in a second. But I, I've been waiting to do this and I may do this in a separate reel or something like that to get this out because this is really important. Corey Gray, in the video that we did, Stop Porn or Be Destroyed. We replayed that. It's so good. You guys should go check it out. It's, it's, it's amazing. I was blown away at Corey Gray's description of erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Because it was so pure and he literally brought it down to a man's inability uh, physically to, to procreate. procreate. And it shocked my mind mm -hmm. when he said that because yes. I was ready for him to say, and I'm only going to say this once. Um, oh, the don't way say that it, don't say it, please just don't okay. say it. Don't all right. It. Then yeah. I won't everyone. You all can use your own imaginations and you, you will. know what the, uh, the, the way that the crass way of everyone else describing that it, you know, that act or inability let's to not, act. Let's keep it in the Corey gray realm. And so what happened to my mind was a, a cleansing of the mind because it takes sex and sexual encounters down to the sole purpose that God created it for. And Corey raises animals. And he understands that a, an animal that cannot procreate is not, it has a problem. Properly. It's not functioning properly. And this is what I said to a friend of mine. I was talking to her about this in, in a video chat. And she was like, I don't even know what phrase you're talking about. This, uh, the, I can't imagine just describing this, why that would be dirty to you. And I said, it's not that I'm saying that it would be dirty, but I will say this. Any other way that you would describe and take not just erectile dysfunction, but any sexual act, okay, it evokes unwillingly a, an image in your mind, which is why when my friends tell me that they're trying to have children, I appreciate that phrase because what it does is it makes me think of children. I don't think about them in the bedroom doing the act unless they give me a descriptive term. I do not want to envision you in your bedroom. Don't want it in my mind. I don't want to envision someone's private parts. Don't want it in my mind. So we must learn how to re-communicate to, the, to the, the common denominator of sexual act is for procreative purposes. So when we do that and you look at a teenager who is confused about their gender, this is what I would say. Do you want to have children one day? First and foremost, who you are will be depicted by your ability to have children and who you are then attracted to will also be determined by your ability to procreate. Mm -hmm. And the beauty that, that two people coming together to create another life. And as we now know, because of contraceptives and contraceptives in the water and all these different things, how difficult it is to actually have children, mm -hmm. what a miracle it is, we should always be talking about sexual relations in the context of the sole purpose of it mm -hmm. at its very base is to have children and the beauty that the life of that brings. Yeah. Uh, so let me read a couple of comments and then we'll move on. Okay, so over here, uh, Britt Baza says, As a kid, hearing Mary Whitehouse at the time, I thought she was a totalitarian, effectively dictating what we could watch and what we could be looking, uh, what we could watch. But looking back on it now, she really had a valid point because society values have really collapsed. Um, Stuart the Brit says, But she was always right and just, just annoyed us all, but she was right. These are guys in the UK, right? They grew up with her. Barry says, um, 
school leaving age now is 18 in the UK. It has been for about 10 years or so, Leah. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry's res- re- responding to Stuart at the time. Yes, she was. But at the start of her campaign was the start of the slippery slope to societal collapse of uh, traditional values. Um Patriot Gallery says the Bible tells us marriage is to be holy and the, the bed, the marriage bed uh, without lust and pure and clean and sincere and real love. Um, good point here from Stuart says uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show was the first time I think they glorified transsexuals in the movies. Mm. Um, now it looks quite tame, sadly. So that's over there from uh, DLive. Wicked Psych says, great job on the front gate renovation with the $5 donation on Rumble. Thank you for that. You are awesome. So while we move on, uh, maybe you can bring up this Instagram that they put in our group chat with Corey and them with this preacher. I won't be able to get to that. Could you send it you to me? You can't get it to Oh, I've told you. Once I'm logged into Facebook Resistance Chicks, I can't log this into. This is Instagram. It's on Instagram. This is a can't right, you bring but how up, do I get up? to the link? Can, well, Did can't you share you just, it on Instagram? I know, but can't you go to the history? I don't think there's a, is there history on Instagram? Yeah, maybe. No, sure. no, no, history on your web browser. Okay, yeah, web browser history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sure, sure. See, I'm smarter than you. You're today. smarter than the average bear. All right. So uh, before we, if, oh, you've got it. Okay, I want to play this before we go on. This Corey or Rob, who put this it in there? Rob, yeah. Rob put this in there. I don't think I can make Instagram bigger or even rewind it. It's muted. I know. It's Instagram. Let me refresh the page and try one more time. It's Instagram is frustrating from a web browser standpoint. You have already opened. When a 60-year-old man, naked, marches through the streets of one of our cities in the United States of America, is standing before little children, little girls and little boys. This has nothing to do with taking someone's rights away from them. This has to do with imposing perversion in the face of a child. Where'd it come from? There's a spirit let loose on this earth. We're queer. We're here. And what they say? take your children and you better you better protect them you'd better watch over them they do not belong to the public school system they do not belong to Caesar they don't belong to you they belong to the Lord and he's given them to you to raise the gates of hell have already opened when a 60 year old man okay naked, that's it. Yeah. yeah marches through the so we're talking about rather than just we're talking about not even mentioning the words and then you've got men bicycling naked. naked. I like what Stacy says here. I think the word intimacy between married couples explains coupling in a godly way. It's real love shown physical to in order to make children. Mm. Okay, so I'm gonna take over. We're not screen sharing yet, so find what you want. Okay, there's an F-bomb yeah. on a sign here, but I want to show it to you. You can turn away if you don't want to see the F-bomb. It's, it's F. Trudeau, and it is a sign here held up by, in, in Ontario, Muslims protesting against the trans and the LGBTQIA, whatever, uh, education in schools on Saturday held up an anti-Justin Trudeau banner. You know, I was waiting for the Muslims to come and stand up against this stuff. It's getting too extreme. They have to start speaking out now. So we've got Victor Orban here sharing his own picture. 
which I find amazing. And look at this picture. So it says NATO summit uh, Vilnius. Vilnius. Hungary stands firmly on the side of peace. So Joe Biden looking very old, walking past that people walking past and Victor Orban looking like a stud, like legit. Look at him like, oh, right. So I just wanted to show you that. All right. I want to tell you guys something about El Salvador. We're going to switch our uh, uh, kind of a brain switch. So El Salvador, the president there has done a crackdown on MS-13. Nice. It's a, it's, it's a 1,000% turnaround, basically. Okay, it's 100%. So <laughs> everyone interested in El Salvador or how we turned the world's murder capital into the safest country in Latin America should read this thread. So it's, um, it's a very interesting. The country once known for having oh, the world's highest murder rate now has the world's highest incarceration rate. Come on, homicide down 92% and there's a 90% approval and then 44% decline migration to the U.S. Yeah, so El Salvador, long whipsawed by gang violence that made it one of the world's most dangerous countries, turned things around by jailing huge swaths of its population. The country once known for having the world's highest murder rate has now has the highest incarceration rate, double that of the United States. Wow. Since March of 2022, President Na Naib uh, Bukle's government has implemented a campaign to arrest in mass suspected members of the MS-13 and 18th Street gangs that have long terrorized the impoverished Central American nation, blocking economic growth and stoking U.S.-bound migration. The strategy has helped lower homicide by 92% compared with 2015, uh, giving Bukele the support of nine of every 10 Salvadorians. Polls show the number of Salvadorians illegally crossing the U.S.-Mexico border has dropped by 44%. It also has put some 68,000 people in its Massachusetts-sized country of 6.3 million behind bars. Whoa. That's more than 1% of the population, according to the World Prison Brief, an online database on correctional systems. Now, here's the thing. If you have to do something to stop mass murder, then it's what you've... What in effect, what you've done is in go to war, yeah. Okay, so going to war is what you you kind of have to do when you've got the world's highest murder rate. So, I've got a YouTube video here up uh, on Inside El Salvador's Gang Crackdown. Let's go to El Salvador now and take a closer look at the president's crackdown there on gangs. The country was once the murder capital of the world. For decades, rival gangs ruled the streets of El Salvador. But a year ago, the country's young, media-savvy president, Nayib Bukele, declared war on gangs, Bukele. imposing emergency security measures and giving police sweeping powers of arrest. Thousands are now behind bars and the country is transforming before people's eyes. But there is a dark underside that's hidden from view. Human rights groups are dismayed as our relatives, as more than 65,000 people have been arrested over the past year. Well, our Central America correspondent, Will Grant, has been investigating for a BBC News documentary called Inside El Salvador's Gang Crackdown. Thanks for joining us, Will. Tell us a little bit about what you've found. Well, uh, El Salvador has been synonymous with gangs for, for a long time. And the murder rate, as you said in your introduction there, was at one point the worst in the world. And for decades, El Salvadorans have had to put up with 
um, extortion and fear in their neighborhoods, a lot of violence. Now, uh, March last year, after a particularly brutal weekend of gang violence in which more than 80 people were killed, President Bukele came down essentially like a ton of bricks. Some people think he was building to that point. But by passing a measure called a state of exception, he gave these powers to the police and they have been arresting ad nauseum uh, somewhere around 66,000 people in a year have been detained. Now, in amongst those are a lot of people whose families say have been completely arbitrarily arrested. They had nothing to do with gang activity, activity at all. I met the mother of one of those people, a tractor driver uh, in a state, uh, in a department, a region called Bajo Lempa, a very poor rural region. Her name was Marcel, Marcela Alvarado. She's absolutely desperate with worry and says that it's unbelievable that it's taking this long for the government to establish her son's innocence. Human rights are meant to be there to help us. It's true that if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. But my son has been inside for a year, and to investigate someone you don't need a year should be two weeks at most, three months at the very maximum. But my son has been there for a whole year. Well, as you can hear there, people absolutely desperate with worry. It's been incredibly difficult for the families. This has been a year we uh, joined them during uh, their protest to mark that year of the state of exception. And people have actually had family members die in prison uh, who they say had never been charged with any meaningful crime or anything properly related to gang activity uh, when they were put in prison. And well, yes, Marcel is pain very evident there. But getting access to this sort of story isn't easy. In the documentary, we see that you are embedded uh, in the police operation. Yeah, that's right. In a place called Soyapango, that's one of the main gang, form, now formerly gang-controlled communities in the capital, San Salvador. The government grants access. It's not that it's impossible to join those, um, those operations because essentially they want to show what they're doing. They're, they're quite obviously quite proud of how hard they've come down uh, on people. And we saw uh, a sort of joint police and military operation going door to door, stopping young people, searching them for gang tattoos, calling through their details to, to police headquarters and checking their criminal records. Quite a significant operation in Soyapango and spoke to local residents too, many of whom are very, very pleased that um, while there is obviously a much greater security presence in their neighborhoods, there's a much, much smaller, almost impossible, non existent now, gang presence in a place that used to be sort of governed by fear. And how popular is this crackdown with people? Well, the government says there's about 90% popularity among people. And, and, and the truth is that polls show it is very, very high. You know, we've talked about how exhausted people were at the, the years of gang crime. And it's little wonder, really, when simply going from one neighborhood to another, holding sports events, young people playing football, all these sorts of things <laughs> was essentially impossible in some neighborhoods. You know, just, just seeing your family if they lived in another neighborhood. So it's, it's incredibly, um, it's a, you know, it's a relief for people in those in those neighborhoods that this has happened. They're aware potentially that the, that families like Marcella's are, are desperate with worry and it's been extremely difficult for them. But they're just simply thankful that they're able to breathe I easy got again to say. and that the. 
It, they're, they're looking for the needle. They're in like the trying to find like, well, well, do people really like it? It's it, 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 well, you, sometimes they might be arresting the wrong people and and they're not getting their trial. And then and then and then, BBC, yes, needed it. Sit down. Did you notice that they sit down and they, and they were forced to report on the truth. Now, I'm gonna make and I'm so glad that that El Salvador is doing this. Praise God for them. I hope that they become an example for well, they all are. Honduras other... is actually doing it as well right now. But guess what, Leah? What? They have now proven El Salvador. Thank you, El Salvador. How easy it would be for us to just crack down on child sex trafficking. Yeah. Boom. If you are a suspected trafficker, we are coming in your house. Now, oh, Michelle, I'm a well, libertarian. We can't just have people just going door to door and that'll just lead to like gun confiscation and all this, that, and the other. Okay, hang on. First of all, you've got to be able to, to differentiate between when we have an epidemic that needs to... The children must come first. We could crack down, like you said, Leah, the other day. You're like, they have these IP addresses. They know where these guys are doing. I'm not talking about carte blanche, you know, Patriot Act, George W. Bush all over again. Everybody busting down doors. But they, what is happening is they have known sex traffickers. They know who these people are and they are well, not cracking down on them. They also know um, when somebody is watching child porn here in the United States yes, and, and what, and then they're leaving to go to another country. Exactly. And so they're, they're, they leave and they go to these other third world countries and it's a, uh, it's a business, but I will say that there is, if South America gets their stuff in order and all of this criminal activity, which includes child sex trafficking gets in order, <clears throat> but the demand in the United States remains the same. Where's the sex trafficking going to come from? Then they're going to come after your children, and they already are, but even more so because these criminals will find children yeah. for the demand. All right, so screen share with me. I was just going to say this, that when it comes to MS-13, there is a huge advantage to arresting MS-13. And the video will... In El Salvador's war against gangs, there is no mercy. Inmates are treated like enemy combatants, prisoners of a war with the rule of law. Okay, so it's a little bit The country's new mega prison is the largest in Latin America. Space for 40,000, including some who are barely adults. Once feared members of the MS-13 or Barrio 18 crime networks are off the streets and forced into submission. With them. I don't know. I don't know if there's, I mean, there's a long-term plan. Can you reform plan. these kind of... What's the long-term plan? I don't know. I, I honestly, I do not I know. I want to know what you guys have to say. Um, let's see. James says, we need to start coming for these demonic freaks like yesterday. He says, Victor is a real man. Places like California and New York could learn from El Salvador. Here in the U.S., it seems like the liberals want to reward those who commit crimes. So Ecuador has seen its murder rate quadruple between 2019 and 2022. There's a local mayor, that's a mayor in Ecuador that says it's simple. Just copy him. Do what Bukele, Bukele how do you say his? Bukele. Bukele is doing. Uh, the rest of Latin America is waking up. Other countries are watching El Salvador's policies as they grapple with their own high murder rates. 
Ecuadorians, one of the largest nationalities heading to the U.S., have seen the homicide rate in their country quadruple from 2019 to 2022. Some politicians uh, who until May served as uh, um, Cynthia Viteria, uh, who until May served as mayor of the violent Ecuadorian city of Guayaquil uh, encouraged Ecuador's government to mimic the Salvadorian leader's policies. So you've got uh, Jan Topic, an independent presidential candidate in Ecuador, and a Bukele's um, admirer said his experience as a French foreign legion sniper serving in Syria and Ukraine would help him bring order to the streets and gang control. Just let prisons. me get up there. I'm going to start picking them off one by one. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> in Guatemala, several presidential candidates adopted a security agenda inspired on these policies in this summer's election and in Colombia, beset by armed groups in much of the countryside. The opposition Democratic Center Party recently invited Bukele to uh, visit the country and showered him with praise. He says, I think I'll go on vacation to Colombia. After the leftist president, uh, Petro compared El Salvador's overcrowded jails to concentration camps. Children can play outside without parents asking permission from gangs. Businesses no longer pay extortion. Delivery, delivery men no longer need uh, tips stolen from them. This is what human rights groups are actually fighting against. So the anti-gang campaign is widely popular in El Salvador, whether it's Hard scrabble neighborhoods in the hard scrabble neighborhoods, wealthy enclaves, or rural regions. I would vote for a Bukele 10 more times, said Edwin uh, Avelos, who recently opened a Mexican restaurant near a notorious San Salvador slum. Two years ago, I wouldn't have opened a business here. This was a red zone, recounting that he used to fork over $6,000 a year in wow. extortion payments in a failed effort to keep open clothing. At keeping uh, a clothing and a restaurant business open in the slums that surround the country's capital parents now say their children can play outside this is amazing so an indigenous spiritual leader whose son is admittedly a member of ms-13 does not approve in another video police officers smash headstones at a cemetery to eliminate gang insignia on the graves of dead members uh, rights groups said the government should boost spending on social programs for young people, on gangster rehabilitation, instead of focusing on punitive measures and mass incar uh, incarceration. Extortion has become so institutionalized that Ramirez said a bank asked him for detailed information on payments to gangs when he wants applying for a business loan. 3,000 transport workers killed in 20 years. Wow. This is just amazing. Society tolerated this until one man said enough. And that's all it takes. It's literally all it takes. Wow, it gets better. Bukele sent prisoners to go smash the headstones. No way. Now, normal people can even use the cemetery because the gang members aren't gathering around smoking a blunt over their fallen homie. And uh, somebody has a good article here on this success, the invisible graveyard of crime. And this is from March. So wow. this is amazing. And I am, it can be done. Praise God. That's an amazing story. <clears throat> All right. I'm looking forward to see how that story actually progresses. Um, as the maybe freedom of MS-13 starts to become contagious in South America. Your prayers work. Yes, come on, man. Prayers work. All right, again, I, I like to highlight this all the time on our show, especially during the Sunday show. Again, um, 
Every day, tens and thousands of Congolese men and teenage boys scrounge for cobalt deep inside hazardous tunnels. They spend up to 18 hours crouched in narrow shafts without room to sit upright, inhaling toxic particles, and fill with dread that at any moment the tunnel might collapse. These tunnels collapse often, burying alive everyone inside. Meanwhile, tech and electric vehicle companies continue to offer facile PR statements about protecting the human rights of every participant in their supply chain. Lies. It is time that these com com companies and the governments pushing for electric vehicle transition do far more to present prevent this madness. Uh, the uh, LFP batteries are not the answer. Lithium mining is another tragedy, and several lithium mines are commencing operations in the Democratic Republic of Congo this year with equally appalling conditions. So this is where the so you can feel good about the environment. This is the life that people have to live. I feel like it's let them eat cake. Who cares about their lives? I don't care if the mines go down. We need the electric vehicles because we are rich people and we need to get around and we need to pat ourselves on the back and we need to do this climate change thing. What's even worse, though, is that these people are not reaping the benefits of the money from these. It's the big companies that are. Absolutely. These guys get paid like maybe a dollar a day, two dollars a day. Yeah, it's so. It's and disgusting. Elon Musk is a billionaire. It's slavery. That's why I see it's Elon modern Musk day as slavery. one. Uh, he is. So Elon Musk is a psychopath. He's a legit psychopath because he doesn't care that his electric vehicles, when he, he believes that people have to die for progress. Mm -hmm. And he's, he doesn't have the feeling that you and I would have if something we were building hurt other people in the process of building it. a sociopath. Not that it matters the difference. But. He's both. He certainly is both. Now, we have the Spanish climate minister flies on a private jet to the eco-conference. She gets out of a limo hundreds of yards before the venue to ride a bike for the cameras. This is surreal. Go ahead, scroll down and I play the video. I cannot even with this. The socialist Spanish minister uses a private jet to attend a climate conference 100 meters before the venue. She gets out of her limo and takes a bike. The cognitive dissonance of the fact that this isn't going to get called out, like, what are they thinking? Seriously, what are they thinking? That no one's going to call them out on this. Riding that bike actually created more emissions because the vehicle train presumably had to stop and idle while she was getting out her bike. Sadly, no one over at Google told the board, the bait, uh, the the AI, the rules of, uh, for the policy. According, um, let's see, to Bard, Teresa Ribera used a private jet 17 times in 2022 at the cost of 170,000 euros. She used the jet to travel to a variety of destinations, including Brussels, Paris, and New York. In 2023, Ribera has used a private jet 16 times at the cost of 160,000 euros. She has used the jet to travel to a variety of destinations, including Lisbon, Berlin, and Rome. The total cost of Rivera's uh, use of uh, private jet from 2022 to 2023 is €330,000. This is a significant amount of money, and it has led to renewed calls for Rivera to stop using private jets. Wow. I am embarrassed. I'm not just embarrassed. This is, like, at this point, you are, you have jumped the shark. Okay? You have jumped the shark. There's, you can't come back from this. Mm -hmm. Stop it.
If she had actually ridden her bike for like maybe a few miles to get there, then everybody would be like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, we probably still would have made fun of it, but still, like private jet to a few miles. But private jet to limo to like how long did she ride that bike? 100 meters. 100 meters. Wow. That's really, it's really sad. All right, so the next video I have up here is Cologne becomes the first German city to allow mosques to broadcast the Islamic prayer out loud in the city. So how many times a day is that going to go off? Okay. I'm going to post that without comment. Okay, you can make up your own mind. There you go. Um, <clears throat> in Germany, they're going to broadcast that. Um, there you go. Hmm. India launches another lunar mission to explore the South Pole, but I don't know if it's going very well. So on Thursday this week, India launched a rocket carrying a spacecraft for its lunar mission from the Satish uh, Dawin Space Center located on the southern state of the Andhra Pradesh Friday in an ambitious second attempt at putting a lander and a rover on the moon amid several other global efforts to explore the lunar surface. Uh, Chen uh, draw, how do you say that? Trendrian. Uh, three, the word for mooncraft in Sanskrit, took off from a launch pad in, uh, I'm not going to say it. Shriharakota. With an orbiter, a lander, and a rover in a demonstration of India's emerging space technology. India's previous attempt to land a robotic spacecraft near the moon's little explored South Pole ended in failure in 2019. It entered the lunar orbit but lost touch with its lander that crashed while making its final descent to deploy a rover to search for signs of water. According to a failure analysis report submitted to the ISRO, the crash was caused by a software glitch. The $140 million mission in 2019 was intended to study a permanently shadowed moon crater moon craters that are thought to contain water deposits and were confirmed by the um, Shendrian mission, 1 mission in 2008. Researching the moon is something only three other nations have achieved. Uh, I would like to just say this. Here it comes. India, you are a very poor country. You have spent uh, $150 million here when you have starving people, there is literally no reason for you to go to the moon except for you want to look like you are technologically advanced. And this is my, my biggest problem with space travel and space going into space is who, what gives you the right to land something on the moon? Because what if you do something to the moon and you don't have a right to mess up the moon because we need tides that clean the ocean and keep balance on this earth. So I would say this, everyone leave the moon alone. <laughs> it is untouchable. Stop it now. And by the way, you don't have the right to launch things into space that can land upon other people. 
And I know we're probably using satellite technology for a lot of stuff, and I highly disagree with it. So, Leah, you know where this goes. No. Did we? Really land on the moon. Really land on the moon. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I hope we did not. All right, so you know that creepy video with Joe Biden eating the child? Oh, no, 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 no. the next Friday. This was in Finland. What? Yeah, he ate a Finland baby. No. So during his departure for Finland. So oh. he likes cultured Actually, things. Actually, no, it says during his departure for Finland. Oh, okay, so it's well, the no, same it says, story. No, creepy. But Joe it's the same, Mal, it's the same a incident. Girl in Finland. Okay, yeah, so the we did not showcase the, on Friday that this was in F Finland. I didn't know it was in Finland. Me neither. I don't really want to. Okay, watch so it the again. latest in Joe Biden's long line of cringe inducing behavior toward female children came as Biden mingled with U.S. Embassy employees in Helsinki before he boarded the Air Force One. So it was in Finland, yes. So this is. Child doesn't like it. Don't touch me. Stop it. She's looking at him, giving him like a stink eye. No, don't. And then he goes in for the sniff. Then he goes in for and the sniff. And then that guy just like, mm, look at that like weird. He's One like more totally time for everybody out. to see. Jeez. I'm more interested in watching the reactions of the people around as this is going. Secret Service there kind of Thank you. She's gone. I'm just out of here. Oh, so, so weird. What is wrong with that? Name? All right. Wagner, the Wagner group, uh, you know, the one that was uh, the Wagner, the Wagner group that rushed that Putin was like, it's a coup. It's a coup. It's a coup. Well, very interesting. Wagner is training Belarusian troops. Remember, he was exiled to Belarus because of the coup. Never trust anything the mainstream media says. OK, this is. This is crazy. So that escalated quickly following the Wagner mutiny events of June 23rd to 24th, which resulted in uh, Prashojans being briefly exiled to Belarus. Though there are indicators he's, indicators he's back in Russia as living as a free man. Uh, Wagner mercenaries have not only set up shop on the Belarusian soil, but are now training regular soldiers of the Belarusian army. According to a Friday statement of the Belarusian Defense Ministry, Wagner fighters are giving formal instructions to soldiers at a base near... Uh, don't try it. Osipovichi. Uh, just over 50 miles south of the capital of Minsk. Wagner fighters acted as instructors in a number of military disciplines, the ministry announced. It described the conscripts master the skills of moving on the battlefield and tactical shooting, gaining knowledge of engineering, training, and tactical medicine. Sky News details of uh, the training location based on regional sources that the town is home to an empty camp that munitions Russian that mutinous Russian mercenaries have yet to use, and perhaps even a storage facility for tactical nuclear weapons Russia says it has deployed in Belarus. <laughs> a medication effort by uh, Lukashenko had ended the short-lived uprising. So was it an uprising, or was it a plan to get these guys into Belarus because they wanted to tra train these Belarusian soldiers who were probably eager to fight Ukraine? Here's what I think. I don't trust... The I don't trust any of them. The chef, the, sh the, the he's sh the chef, hot dog stand man, turned Putin's chef, turned right hand man, and then military leader. He was a hot dog man, hot, hot dog. dog stand man, and now he's the military leader that 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 w was 
Putin's chef and now he's staging a coup against Putin? I'm not buying it. Not buying it for a moment. I think he's on the side of Putin. Everything, I am telling you what. Putin knows exactly what he's doing. This this Prashojin guy was not staging a coup. This was all some sort of farce. Planned. Uh, so we've got some leaks out of Ukraine that Ukraine's manpower on the front lines is starting to dwindle and they are conscripting people. Now, look at this picture. This is... So that's is that that's a Hummer, right? Um, and Ukraine's manpower on its front line starts to dwindle. Military leaders are becoming increasingly desperate to locate new recruits to propel its counteroffensive against Russia forward. However, the number of young people volunteering has uh, is is plummeting. What you're seeing there on the left um, is a, a, a young man being kidnapped, supposedly conscripted into the army and what you're seeing on the right is that the generals are making if you if you have six thousand dollars six to seven thousand dollars you can pay these generals and commanders not to get into the army and so they're getting super wealthy they're getting super wealthy from us they're getting super wealthy this is this is crazy how are the humvees getting there by the way that's like a new one recent videos of young ukrainian men being conscripted across the country have circulated in popular encrypted messaging apps in Ukraine, and those fearful of being sent to the front are actively engaging in invasive and, in some instances, illegal tactics to avoid It says many conscripted, conscripted men are taken straight off of the street in broad daylight so by uniformed men. There are two videos that are just, you can't see them because they've been taken, they're taken down. Uh, From so, Zero Hedge. Yeah, yeah, you can't see them. Oh. But, so you just have to know that this is happening however um the you've got these excesses tons of month like r just a crazy amount of money going into the general's hands it's well known that military recruitment offices have been a hotbed of corruption over the last year and a half in ukraine it's no secret that the mobilization can be avoided for an average okay about seven thousand um euros Officers can make incredible fortunes, and some do not hide their newfound wealth, arriving at work in new luxury cars. Most recently, one Odessa military commander, uh, Borisov, was found to have spent nearly 4 million euros over the past year on a luxury mansion on the Spanish coast, as well as 200,000 euros on a luxury car. He also bought his wife a chain of shops on the Costa del Sol. Oh. If all this was not enough... Borisov was able to holiday in his Spanish palace despite the fact that the borders have been closed to conscripts for a year and a half. So war in Ukraine is good. They are doing well. They don't, they're not going to want this to end. Mm. Keep bringing in the dough. Now, I would say that's your American tax dollars funding mm -hmm. that. But it's not your American tax dollars. It's just your dollars through inflation. So now... Everything you buy at the grocery store is more expensive because they are inventing zeros and giving them to the Ukrainians. They are inventing zeros and giving them to the Ukrainians. So it's not uh. your tax dollars. It's just your dollars. It's just straight up your money going to them. Oh, geez, we're going there. Um, no, I actually was going to go to um, this one. I don't think you have it. Rampant corruption is one reason behind Ukraine's failed NATO bid. So this is a very interesting subject. Russia was promised that uh, Ukraine would never become part of, of NATO. So that Russia wouldn't have a, all, you know, NATO right there on its border. 
Well, the EU desperately wants Ukraine as part of NATO. But what does it say that Turkey is part of NATO, but Ukraine, who we are fighting tooth and nail for, is so corrupt that before they join, even Ursula von der Leyen says that they have to get rid of some of their corruption. And how do you get rid of corruption when your when your first guy, your president, is a guy who plays the piano with his wee wee and dresses up as Beyonce in latex and um, is otherwise one of the most perverted people in your nation and super corrupt and corruptible. So Ukraine must implement reforms to fight corruption and strengthen its institutions if it wants to be eligible to join NATO, von der Leyen says, president of the European Commission. Von der Leyen encouraged, she is like a robot, like a sick psycho, uh, to implement further reforms and pledged the support of the European nation, according to the Hungarian newspaper. Von der Leyen's statement said in plain language that there was still so much corruption and opacity uh, in Ukraine's institutions that it could not yet get the green light to join NATO or the European Union. However, the paper also noted that von der Leyen noted the country's efforts were appreciated and that it had made a lot of progress. Do you want so, to play it? No. What do you think... Let's play um, Victor Orban down here. What do you think they refer to as corruption? That's a good question. Go ahead and read that. Hungary's PM Orban was shocked after NATO's decision. All allies agree Ukraine belongs in NATO. All NATO allies have agreed uh, that uh, Ukraine will become a member. President Zelensky has a very clear uh, expectation. We discussed this, both the issue of membership but also security guarantees. Orban took to Twitter and simply wrote, Corbyn's response blew up Stolenberg's claim that all members agree. Hungary rejects any efforts for Ukraine to join NATO until the rights of the ethnic Hungarian minority are restored in the Trans-Carpathia region. For years, ethnic Hungarians have been banned from speaking and using their own language in schools and other official settings. Hungary is also worried about escalating tensions. But what we do know is that when the war ends, we need to ensure that history doesn't repeat itself, that uh, Russia is not able to continue to attack and to wage uh, war again against uh, Ukraine and to continue to chip away at uh, uh, European security. My message was first, Ukraine rightful place uh, is in NATO, as allies have agreed, but also that the main focus now uh, is uh, to ensure that Ukraine prevails. Allowing Ukraine into NATO would mean Hungary would be required to fight on behalf of Ukraine if another war were to break out. Yeah. There you go. And that is why, technically, there are no NATO troops fighting in this war because Zelensky's nation, Ukraine, is not part of NATO. But Zelensky desperately wants to join NATO so that the whole world would have to be fighting Russia. You know, this is so great. At this moment. This idea, you know how... Like, uh, literal you, troops and everything You've got some sort of illness that is going to be like a billion-dollar thing, but you don't have insurance. And you are desperately trying to find you an insurance company. Mm-hmm. 
but it's just because you want to pay them the dues. Yes. I just want to. I just want to be able to give my insurance company some money. That's all. That's the only reason I want the insurance company. Now, you want the insurance company to shell out the billions of dollars for your illness. Did you know Rheinmetall, Rheinmetall, Germany's leading arms maker, will open a plant to manufacture tanks and other armored vehicles in Ukraine within the next 12 weeks as the West is looking to boost Ukraine's weapons industry? Rheinmetall CEO uh, Poppinger, Poppinger told CNN that the company will also train Ukrainians on how to use and maintain the tanks they manufacture at the plant. He said Ukrainians need to learn how to help themselves and cannot rely on Europeans and Americans for maintenance. Uh, the German company will operate the factory uh, with Ukron Boron Prom in a Ukrainian state-owned defense firm. Other Western arms companies are looking to establish factories in Ukraine, and Russia has warned that it would target or could target those plants. So Stuart the Brit on DLive says, NATO is finished. It's just in its death throes. Brit Brothers says, Ursula von der Leyen talking about corruption. LOL. She's just as corrupt along with the EU. Mm. Very well said there. Wicked Psych says, as long as the big guy gets his 10%, he doesn't care where the money goes. It was already agreed upon in a treaty that NATO would not expand in that area. If they want to change that, it needs to be through negotiations, yeah. not war. Well said, Wicked Psych. Yeah, that's really good. All right, so let's move on to this Brazilian company. Oh, dear God. That is opening a large artificial meat production plant in Spain. It will produce up to 4,000 tons of products per year. What is it? Soy? There's no volume to this video. Um, I uploaded it earlier. You just, for okay. our podcast listeners, you're just seeing artificial meat. Um, so you can't call it meat. It's like gender labeling. I'm not going to call it meat. It's just mm. a substance that they're adding red food coloring to to make it resemble meat. Okay, actually, go ahead and bring this up because this actually has subtitles to it. Should okay. have some subtitles on to your YouTube profile or YouTube. YouTube. Where, did you already pull it up or anything? I history? just pulled it up, so you need to yeah go to the history. A uh, Brazil, um, yeah. So it seems that I guess I'm not denying. No, I can't make it any bigger, guys. Yeah, there is no volume to this. Interesting. I thought there was. No, there wasn't earlier. It just it just is a disgusting thing mm -hmm. of meat whereas the other video was bigger um i don't know where the other video is but it's just vile like i lab grown meat so here's my question leah so brazil's jbs starting starts building lab grown beef in factory in spain so brazilian meat packer jps said on tuesday that its subsidiary biotech Foods started construction in spain on its first commercial scale plant to produce lab-grown meat, which is said to be completed by mid-2024. The factory, which JBS says will be the world's largest lab-grown meat plant, should produce more than a thousand metric tons of cultivated beef per year. But it's, it's not it could... the same color as beef. So it's, first of all, it's not beef. Yeah. It's not meat. I don't know what this satanic substance is, but if you have to add food coloring in it to make it look like meat, it ain't meat. Yeah, it's very strange. It's this it's Investimeat Investimeat project, which involves research into cell lines, cultured media, biomaterials that scale up cultivated meat production to an industrial level. Listen, I don't. I am. I do not claim to be a scientist. I they, don't know anything. 
okay? But for something to grow like an organic thing, it's not like they're adding a heartbeat to it. So if it's growing, doesn't it seem like it's got to be like a bacteria of some sort? Like whatever this is. And Prada Swan Unnatural. and Poultry has led a pioneering study in Brazil to develop chicken meat that is grown under controlled laboratory conditions. The new product, which resembles sasami in the form of prototypes of boneless chicken breast fillets, should be ready for nutritional and sensory analysis by the end of 2023. I'm going to Characterized go... as an alternative protein, the technology recreates animal tissue in laboratory Leah. from animal cells, providing meats that are anab like just like natural ones no they're not no they're not let what me if, it's this is satanic let wait just i'm about to go scott kesterson uh, blah, 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 okay? blah, blah, i'm blah, going blah, scott kesterson on this are you ready for this 3d dimensional bacterial nanocellulose guys those structures aside from this being falsely or or, or no. hidden put hidden what is the word i'm looking for nefariously put into restaurants where you don't know that it's there. Okay. That that's the caveat to what I'm about to say that aside secretive, anyone who would openly consume this product deserves what happens to them as a result. So in I 2020, Singapore approved legislation for the trade of chicken nuggets produced by eat just in 2022 in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration granted approval to California's Upside Foods for cultured chicken. Mm -mm. In the Netherlands, also in 2022, the parliament legalized the tasting of meat grown under controlled conditions, noting that it was the first country to offer a burger cultured by a pharmacologist, Mark Post, in 2013, in the presence of 200 journalists and academics. Guys. There is a waiting list no. in Israel for tastings. And reservation queues for customers in Brazil. Okay, so, all right, there we go. What did I just say? I'm going to repeat it again. Anybody that would willingly consume this product, I think I can say this. This is totally allowable to say. Deserves what happens to them as a result. That may not sound Christian, and I'm sorry, but I said it, and I mean it. So, in Brazil, there's still no legislation on the subject, but there's a plan, and this plan includes foods that are, and their protein-based ingredients from plants, insects, fungi, algae and other alternative sources obtained by established production methods fermentation processes and cell culture and innovation processes donna says cancer cell meat question mark patriot gallery is stepping out before she leaves i want to remind you guys she has done several shows this week that are on our rumble channel and at really any platform you'd like to watch us on um so check those out she has put together several really really good um patriot gallery shows James says, amen, Michelle. It's no telling what the imit this imitation meat actually is. Uh, Seward the Brit says that they already have it in supermarkets and no one is buying it. It's so nefarious. She says they have to label it as fake meat here by law. Are you sure in that's not just like soy? Uh, started me. So the Selva and the JPS have, have already started investing to, in research to produce cultured meat and ingredients such as cultured pork fat. No! Most are focused on unstructured protein products like hamburgers, unlike a chicken breast, which needs structure, as the process is more complex. We still have a long way ahead. But why? But why? But 
Why? So one of the challenges that researchers find in producing food for a growing global population is sustainability. The effects of conventional, conventional animal production on the environment, which include land and water use, interference with biodiversity and greenhouse gas emissions is a reoccurring discussion. Based on the concept of One Health, which encompasses the combination of human-animal environmental care, it is possible to mitigate the general environmental impacts of traditional meat production. This is because we grow animal cells in vitro in an inert environment, which is physically, chemically, and microbiologically controlled. The technique also provides the advantage of reducing or eliminating the use of antimicrobials. Cultured meat possesses an alternative to conventional meat production, insofar as it does not aim to replace the already well-established blah, blah, blah. Um, Guys. So, go ahead. This has to stop. And how do you stop it? I'm going to tell you how you stop it. Do you know that a vast majority of all of society's problems could be solved if people just started raising their own animals and gardening uh -huh. and farming? Children will not be confused about the purpose of sexual relations if they are raised on a farm with animals. You know what else? I have never seen... Political science. Ever seen a child that was raised on a farm, not one that gets put on a farm, but raised on a farm, giggle at breeding or even sexual jokes. Mm -hmm. They just don't, it's not novel to them. They yeah. understand exactly what it's for and it's not funny. It's just a part, it's actually a beautiful thing because that means a life comes as a result of that thing. So there are, every problem can be solved by people having their own farms. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean farm like, oh, we're gonna do industrial farming. I mean homestead. By everybody having their own homestead and raising their own animals. Speaking of which, Thomas Massey is one of those people. He is a rancher, okay? He's an MIT genius. The only congressman that has his own solar panels, I think, I don't know if he's only, he's not the only congressman that has a ranch, but he is the only congressman that has his own solar panels. Mm -hmm. Okay. At least Thomas Massey's doing it. So where, where are we going with this? Yeah. So the reason they, I'm going, we're going to do a, we're going to start our, our story on Ireland and how the government's plan is to get rid of, now we're going to break this down on, is, do they want to cull the cows? Well, let's break down their nefarious ways of how they're saying they don't want to cull the cows. They just want farmers to voluntarily, uh, as they're selling off cows, not to replace them. To me, that's culling. And they're doing that because of greenhouse gases and their greenhouse gas goal. So I want to play this video that um, Neil Oliver had retweeted. It was from last year or something with Thomas Massey talking about, do we really have extra carbon? So go ahead and play this. Science degree. Look, up, please. let me let's get back to the science of it. But it's not science. You're not quoting science. I, I, well, you're the science expert. You got the political science degree. Look, let me ask you this. What's the consensus on parts per million of uh, CO2 in the atmosphere? About 406, 406 today. Okay, 406. Are you aware? 350 that... being the level that scientists have said is dangerous. Okay, are you aware? 350 is dangerous. Wow. Are you aware that since mammals have walked the planet, the average has been over a thousand parts per million? Yeah, but we weren't walking the planet. It, it, it's. Um, let me just share with you that 
We now know that definitively at no point during the least the past 800,000 years has atmospheric CO2 been as high as it is today. The reason you chose 800,000 years ago is because for 200 million years before that, it was greater than, the, than it is today. And I'm going to say for the record. Yeah, but there weren't human beings. I mean, there was a different world, folks. We didn't have 7 well, billion people. So how did it get to 2,000 parts per million if we humans weren't here? Because there were all kinds of geologic events happening on Earth which spewed did up. Did geology stop when we got on the planet? Mr. Chairman, I, I, this is just not a serious conversation. Your, your testimony is not serious. I agree. Well said, Thomas Massey. Let me scroll down here. Analysis is very important because we get a better crop, a higher yield, and better quality of the tomatoes. Additional carbon dioxide needs to be added to increase efficiency and to have the optimal yield. Let me ask you this. What's the consensus? 300 of where? 350. I think the whole thing is probably the same. No, it's not. Okay. Per million? By keeping the carbon dioxide concentration in the greenhouse atmosphere in a range of 600 to 1,000 ppm, the best growth rate can be expected. So from 600 to 1,000 parts per million, you get the best growth rate for So vegetables. let me explain something to you, Lucy. The very thing that is best for the planet, they are telling us is harmful now. We are told that the very best thing for children is to cut off their genitals. So we know that the opposite is true. We know that the opposite is true before we're even told that. So they're now, everything that they are trying to get us to do, from lab-grown meat to cutting off kids' genitals to curbing carbon output on the planet, it's all bad. It's all designed to kill. And it gets down to what I said at the start of the show today. It is satanic in nature. All of it. The devil comes to do what, Leah? Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. That is their goal. So anything that they are saying, we know that the opposite is true. When you actually find these regreening of places, they'll go to deserts and they regreen them. What are they doing, Leah? Planting trees. They're planting trees, which do what? Produce oxygen. Which then we consume. Yeah. And then we... Uh, Breathe out. We breathe out. What do we breathe out? Carbon dioxide. But farmers okay. say when time and time again. What, what? A society where we regreen areas, we will put cows out there. Yeah. We will, and it actually brings, literally brings rain yeah. to those areas. Okay. So the animals and the animals drop their patties in the field. Okay which then puts nitrogen into the soil, okay? This is very good for the soil. The area starts to turn green. And then all of a sudden we bring in rain and we've got more oxygen. So we've got more oxygen going into the atmosphere, which is good for humans. It's good for animals. It is a beautiful life cycle that they are trying to interrupt and destroy. You guys have to look at some of these videos of regreening of wild desert places. It is phenomenal. We could we could regreen the the Mojave Desert if we actually chose to implement the the strategies to do so. Yeah. 
You can regreen anything. Can you bring this up? They're not talking about regreening anything. They're talking about destroying the way that God. And you know what else? And I will bring this up and then I'll be, I'm done. We are told that we evolved over millions and millions of years. And somehow we're now being told that we evolved so far that we, we're the problem. Okay. Humankind. John Kerry just said humans are the problem. And somehow us messing with evolution, which it's creation, us messing with the evolutionary process yeah. is going to fix it. Yeah. All right. So here we have Garbage. farmers protesting uh, what the climate czars are trying to do in Ireland, which is uh, called cows. So we have some awesome protesters here. More tractors. So if you would bring up the video, what I can't play that one. Can't play that one. Can't no that that one. Where are you? Where are you, my little one? There it is. No, 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 no. I want the uh, the shorts. It's a short one. It said Irish a minute ago. But you don't want that one. Um, we'll play this one for now until I find the right one. So this. What Michael is saying there tonight is, you know, essentially it's it's livelihoods at stake here. And, you know, the dairy sector, it was like, yes, get, you know, we want to increase quotas and do all that. We're welcoming all of this. And now there is this obviously decision that is made that has been forced upon us to meet our climate targets. Uh, and then the, then news of this, you know, call emerging, right, well, albeit voluntary. Well, uh, will it be voluntary? Well, is that the I way just, you see it I working? Just say, first of all, it's 100 percent wrong that there's going to be a cull, that there's any paper suggesting a cull, it's 100% wrong. And Michael himself should know this because mm. it has been flagged that no, there is not a cull. A cull is a completely different thing to mm. reducing a herd over time. And actually, so, farmers so are the So what is a voluntary dairy reduction yeah, scheme? So, so what it is, is that over time, farmers don't restock to the same level as they did. So that over time their herds are reducing, but it, it isn't a cull which is taking out cows and killing them. That's not what it is. And that creates huge fear and anxiety amongst farmers. And I think that Michael knows that and is using it. And we have repeated this numerous times to Michael, that that's not what it is. But actually what this is, is an exit scheme for dairy farmers. I come from a dairy farming background myself, that the farmers themselves have asked for and have called for because they can see the the schemes the environmental schemes that are oversubscribed every single environmental scheme in the country is oversubscribed farmers want to sign up to it mm. and dairy farmers also want a scheme so that they can sign up to it so that they get money in their pocket if they do reduce their herds but it's completely oh. voluntary so wait it's a minute what she just was saying is that these dairy farmers want to sign up to this environmental thing but it's really just because you're luring them with money yeah well, of course, if I'm going to get paid not to farm, I'm going to not farm. Completely voluntary. And Minister McConnell has done the work in the background. So it's a Fianna Fáil minister has done the work in the background. I asked him about it myself a few months ago. Where is this exit scheme that the farmers have been, have been looking for? And that's what this is about. Farmers rubbish. Want rubbish. What she's doing is playing with words. A call, reduction, reducing. It's what it means is that we didn't Michael, and you know cows. it out there than what we have at present. And you know you're talking through your hat. Remember one thing about Ireland. You've been found out now, Michael, remember aren't you? You're talking about something completely different. And remember one thing about who the real green people are. 
They're the custodians of the country. Hang on a second now. They're Charlie McConnell is the agriculture yes. minister no, here. It's within yes. his department. Yes. But what I'm saying to you, and I'm because saying to you, all, the custodians the of the land want this team. The environment in Ireland and the real people who we should be listening to are the farmers. And okay. I'm listening to and young are farmers. The farmers not, and young and farmers are the farmers are not me, looking, no, in part, dairy no. farmers looking for an exit scheme? If everyone else is getting a grant, why can't we? No, no. That's what Pauline's saying. The only reason people are talking about a scheme now for exiting, they're trying to make it a bad thing look good. It is not good. Farmers want to be left alone. They want to be allowed to continue producing mm. meat, producing beef, which they're good at and better than anywhere else in the world. Right. And you completely ignore the fact that we do it more efficient than anyone else. If you could tell me it's a good idea for them to be cutting down trees below in Brazil, to clear ground, to grow grass, to have more beef, to export it here to us, the same as what we're doing with the importation oh. of turf. Farmer, uh, we, farmers are responsible. We're bringing they in know the future is green. It puts that. money in their pockets. If we're so smart, we're bringing in bells and briquettes from Germany now. We were producing them in Ireland before. You forgot okay. about the horticultural industry okay. completely. And do you know so that was really hard to get through uh, the because lost. the Irish accent is really thick and they're all using it and it's all they're all talking over each other but let me get to the basis of it what they you do it in English then no because then uh, you, uh, you, you just said they can't be understood because of their Irish accent but somehow you're gonna repeat what they said in your non-Irish accent and it's gonna be more understandable absolutely. than their Irish accent absolutely you see that the, the Ireland was producing things in Ireland and then in order to get green they have other countries produce those things and then they import them in you see in order to get the beef that the country needs they're gonna have Brazil cut down trees and then raise some uh, cows and then bring the beef in but Irish farmers the Kerrygold cheese. Do it way better. And I'm going to show you. Before I do that, I'm going to do the uh, little real, the real land people want who this protect team. the environment in Ireland and the real people who we should be listening to are the farmers. And okay. I'm listening to and young are farmers. The farmers not, and young and farmers are the farmers are not me. looking? No, in part, dairy no. farmers looking for an exit scheme. If everyone else is getting a grant, why can't we? No, no. That's what Pauline's saying. The only reason people are talking about a scheme now for exiting they're trying to make it a bad thing look good. It is not good. Farmers want to be left alone. They want to be allowed to continue producing mm. meat, producing beef, which they're good at and better than anywhere else in the world. Okay, we get you. Now, I want to show you some Irish farms. Here it comes. Early morning on the west coast of Ireland. This could easily be a movie set or the cover shot for an Aer Lingus ad. Farmers drive their stubborn cattle down narrow roads between field stone walls. Donkey carts roll up muddy paths to thatched roof cottages. It is the picture of unspoiled simplicity, but it is no picture at all. It is a way of life for 150 parish families. This is the parish of Karna in the Connemara region, the Gaeltacht country, where the old language, the old Irish, is still spoken every day. It's about as far away from Dublin, from the big city, as you can get. Remote and isolated, only a few hundred families strung out along this rocky coastline. And yet the people here count themselves more blessed than any people in Ireland. I think we are living in Catholic life. 
Well, there's no distractions here anymore. You know, it's a very quiet place. Strong community support is the foundation of the Irish Catholic life here, and its chief architect is Father Colm Canavan. Serving in a parish of only 150 families, Father Canavan is a jack-of-all-trades. He has consulted for advice and guidance, not only in matters of family troubles, but also in business or legal disputes. Community building would be my role. Building up God's, God's people and the community of God's people. Saying mass, getting confessions, but involved in community activity, community development, community education, all that type of thing. Poor Sandra. Well, come on. So I'm going to play a few more videos because... As the world moves slowly but steadily towards meeting climate change goals, some farmers have spoken out about what those targets might mean for their livelihoods, as well as their cattle. Some in Ireland have suggested that thousands of cows are set to be culled to hit emissions targets over the next few years. Today, we are discussing concerns some Irish farmers are currently having as they could be forced into mass culling. Stay with us. Let's get straight into it then. What's going on? Well, for anyone involved in the farming industry on the Emerald Isle, the government's plans to cut agriculture emissions by 25% provide pretty grim reading. Ireland's cattle population outnumbers its humans by about 2.5 million, and the people of the land have had a long and storied history with animals. However, these days, some people, mainly in government, believe cows are to blame for the worsening climate crisis. Ireland itself hasn't particularly been a shining example of a country which strives to cut emissions, and it is widely believed that they have even increased their emissions in recent times. The country's farms also produce 37.5% of national emissions, which is the highest in the EU. When you consider how small the country is in regards to other farming behemoths, this is a worrying statistic. Most of the emissions come from methane, basically cows passing wind, which means unfortunately the animal now has a target on its back. New government initiatives have outlined a plan to cut emissions within the industry by 25% by 2030, and they can count themselves lucky. Some other industries are being forced to reduce emissions by up to 50%. However, farmers are not happy. Head of the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association, Pat McCormick, said, the mood is huge frustrated. It's very hard to quantify, but there will be increased costs and reduced output. They also believe these targets will force some farms to close, whilst others will have to call hundreds of thousands. Pretty grim indeed. So what else do we know about the issue? Stick around to find out. Of course, the Green Party, part of Ireland's coalition government, have come in for some heavy criticism from farmers' unions for forcing the issue, especially after the country's farmers had previously been encouraged to grow in order to exploit the EU's own milk quotas. Given the green light to go ahead and expand, which they did exponentially, over the past decade, Irish farmers invested in top-of-the-range equipment. This resulted in Irish butter and cheese being exported around the world, and business was good. McCormick went on to say, All the talk was of what dairy could deliver for the economy and society, and we did that in spades. Now, it's the bad boy. You can see where their frustrations lie. One particular farmer in Bally Highland, known as Scully, has suggested climate targets could be the end of his family's three-generation business. He revealed he had hoped his teenage son would be the fourth Scully to farm cows, but believes climate targets could negatively impact the farm's future. He said, it's all happening so quickly and they're looking for results so fast. Sometimes you would be better moving slow and doing it right. Right now, the future seems bleak, but some farmers have hope. Some have suggested that a change in calculating methane emissions could be the way forward, whilst others have claimed investing in new technology to combat the climate crisis. Where do you guys stand on the issue? Are we really headed towards the great cult? So you know what they want to do? They want to put like bags on the back so that they can't, don't have the, 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 the They want to put methane. face masks on the hind ends of cows. So I wanted to show you some... Um, they cut up the deep-rooted weeds, bury the top growth, and offer the soil up to the weather and the frosts of winter. 
For several years now, Gilmer has planted upwards on 100 acres of potatoes each season. But for the past two or three years, with crops good and prices bad, he's somewhat less optimistic about a successful 1994. This year he plans to plant 60 acres of a variety called Nadine, which will hopefully find a profitable market in the fish and chip shops of England. The Clock Mills Vintage Club was formed in 1981 so and has a membership. I think there was. I wanted a little bit more on the horse. 1928 one horse drawn potato planter. It was awarded a silver medal at the Royal Lancashire Show at Oldham that year. It is doubtful if this Albion ever caught on. It was a two-man operation, although some would have said that a horse could have been trained to operate on its own. Strangely enough, for the next 20 years there seems to be no record of any other way of planting other than the old back-breaking method. I don't know, this is so cool. I just went through and found some fun um, Irish farming videos. Well, They're spread manure. The ideal time for ploughing would have been November or early December. They are. This was most important if potatoes were to be grown. So why is this important? Because uh, livestock are important to growing crops too. Otherwise you need petroleum, nitrogen, and petroleum fertilizers, which right. are very harmful for the soil and the planet. Right. For potatoes needed ground well broken up, and there was no better way to achieve that result than to expose the land to a winter of frost, snow, and rain. It was said that during the 1930s, the summers were better and the winters colder. Indeed, it was often usual that ground could have been frozen from Christmas until the end of February. It was also common for ground to be so wet during winter that it would have been impossible to take a team of... I just, it's it's mind-boggling to me that the greenery, green, greeneries the aren't County greener Kent. anymore. Now here, this is just a funny video. From four okay. years ago, okay. when an Irish, um, a, uh, I don't know if it was a farmer, but what do you call, he's, a, he's an Irish shepherd, 40 of his sheep went missing. But listen to how thick the accent is and maybe shut your eyes and see if you can figure out what he's saying without the subtitles. Harry are investigating the theft of up to 60 sheep on Mount Brandon. One of the farmers is offering a reward for information leading to the return of the ewes, which are worth thousands of euros. Then find the animal that's riding beyond them in anyone can see it. Find the animal. Last Saturday, Mikey Joe O'Shea brought his flock of Scotch sheep down from the mountain commonage ahead of lambing. He discovered over 50 were missing. Allowing for a number of deaths and strays, Mikey is convinced over 45 sheep have been stolen. Possibly a night, there'd be a full moon there about a night, and it should be bright out, and there could anyone go up in the mountains about a night, sure. Well, there was 45 sheep missing, like, and the lambs and everything, the sheep, just count, just count out a nice bit of money, like. To be done about you, nothing. Mikey's next-door neighbour says some of his sheep have also been stolen. Come back, come back, come back. I'm missing about 10, 10 ewes. It's not all that difficult. All you got to do is have a good dog. Have a good dog and go at night, some moon by night, just put the dog around him. Put him on a trailer or walk him. And then probably somebody else to pick him up. Whoever is doing it knows what he's doing. That's really good. I have no idea. I did close my eyes. I have no idea what that is. Oh, something no, about no. 35,000 something or other. <laughs> In the UK, we have over 90 different breeds of sheep. 
Here are the two breeds I keep and why. Here we have some Texel lambs and an imported breed they're most suited for the lowlands. They have become renowned for their ability to produce desired meat for the food chain with pronounced muscling, a long loin and lean meat. Second breed is the Welsh Mountain and these are native to Wales. They are smaller in size and their meat is a little more fatty than the Texels which makes them less desirable to the modern butcher. However, they thrive in extreme environments and they play an important role in the conservation of our landscape. Different breeds of sheep have different characteristics which makes them more or less suitable for okay. different types of land. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, alright, you can close that down. I just wanted to show you kind of the landscape of Ireland and it's not like the factory farming that we're seeing here. So what the environmentalists have to say is that just them being alive on grass is harmful to the environment. Exactly. And that is the nefariousness of these environmentalists because 10 or 15 years ago, when we were talking about being an environmentalist, we were talking about stopping CAFOs, these confinement factory farms where you're, you're putting in a bunch of cattle in a building with concrete. But by and large in Ireland, the animals, whether it's sheep or chickens or cattle, are outside on pasture in eating grass and what she said is maintaining the that beautiful landscape that we see of ireland <clears throat> with all the rocks but it's mowed by sheep you you couldn't bring a mower through there with all those rocks right exactly it has to be maintained by these sheep so this idea of wanting to reduce the livestock what would you do then bring weed eaters in i mean would it you just let it become completely literally overgrown? the ireland that part <clears throat> of ireland you know the industrial part not so much but the farming part of Ireland, the old ways, is quite literally the best thing for the planet, bar none, Hands period, down. end of story. I want to read some comments over here. Um, so earlier, Bonnie B said, uh, how can you raise your own animals in garden when they are telling everyone that they cannot do that? Mm. We talk about that on our show a lot. You have to use a lot of workarounds and we have to fight back. Constitutionally, they cannot tell you that you can't raise your own animals right. or garden or collect rainwater. Constitutionally, you have every right to do that. And it's one of the things that we showcase on our show quite often. Um, Julia says, I wouldn't doubt if they put RNA crap in that. Uh, that was put in the, the the jabs that mess with the DNA, causing sterility and boys and hot uh, boys and heart issues, etc. Bonnie says God created the world; He made it for His children. These people are so-called sciences are messed up in the head. Um, Wendy says it's a form of evil entity. Linda says most know not what they are doing. Like Saul, they truly believe in what they are doing as in good. Julia uh, says John Kerry and his son are involved in the corruption in the Ukraine. Uh, Bonnie says that's why God created different animals for doing natural gardening. They are trying to take everything away from the people. They want to destroy God's creation. I could not agree more. Over here on D Live, uh, Britt Bob says, Michelle, that's the Welsh accent. I'm starting to sound a bit that way now. Um, that was that would be that's it. it that's a difficult one. It really yeah. is a challenge. Yeah. Um, Wicked Sykes says, Kerry moves to a state, gets elected or appointed if he loses, implements bad policies, and then moves on to another state. Now he just works for D.C. And then she says, what did the farmer say after he hit the lottery? Am I going to... Oh, you mean the one with the gold coins. Am I going to continue farming until the money's gone? That's an old joke. Oh, I get it. Um, sorry. The giant industrial farms that do cause problems and cruelty will be exempt. This will affect family farms. 
very, very well said. So I'll probably play this video a couple times. Now, since this video has gone in, around Twitter, I am not afraid to play it. <laughs> but my commentary. Actually, I don't mind. Here's the thing. I have no problem talking about Andrew Tate oh, on no, our show. Oh, no, we have a new one to play for you. I don't have a problem talking about Andrew Tate on my show. The, what Leah started off the show by saying I was share, I was scared to share yeah. is a real, a short that I believe would go viral. And I don't, our, this video today is not going to go viral. Exactly. So I don't care about that. Okay. So Ali Beck Sucky says, Andrew Tate is evidence that the right can be easily deceived by empty platitudes and virtue signaling as the left. All the true things Tate says about social issues, responsibility, are just virtue signals to cover for his degeneracy. In his own words, he's a pimp who sexually and emotionally manipulates w women. In one video, he says 15, I mean 16, or what's the age of consent in the U.S., 18, into exploiting their bodies for money. I don't know if he's guilty of the Romanian charges, and despite the moral rot he represents, I hope justice prevails in his favor if the allegations against him are not proven. But beyond that, he's not worthy of defending. He says some true things, but he's just as far from the real truth and goodness as any miscreant on the left. And this is world news to me because, number one, Andrew Tate started uh, his OnlyFans or whatever online pimping business in the UK. And he had 70 girls working for him in the UK. And then he's under charges in Romania. And he went to Romania because the age of consent in Romania as diabolical as it is i think it's this way in australia is 14 and i really think these ages consent needs to go up i think the age of consent needs to be 18 for every especially for anybody who's over 18 uh we're in that kind of world today so i want to play this montage of andrew tate because i have people and we're gonna i you guys i don't know if you know how how evil he is. I will say this. There was a guy named Crab Caller. He is not back on Twitter, by the way. That is a fake I account. Looked. I know. I saw that. Um, and his name is Nick Monroe, and he is on Getter as Nick Monroe oh, something good. something. Good. But none of his Tate stuff is there that I could find. Right. But you could contact him. But um, and we could have him on the show. I could ask him to come on the show. I should ask him to come on the show. Um, Andrew Tate has a vast army of people who get other people canceled for exposing him. For playing his own words. He gets his videos I taken. I can play our reel on this show. I have no problem doing that. I can pull it up right now. It's done. It's ready to go. But we can play this montage if you want. This yeah, is fine. So I, you guys are going to keep hearing about Andrew Tate. So this is what I say. If you have kids in the room, just get him out of the room. I. This is his own words. He swears like a sailor. But Tucker Carlson had him on and... What you guys may not know is that the entire right is defending this absolute bottom feeder because of Romanian charges, which I think are probably likely true. He admits in multiple videos that he's had a varied past and he's done a lot of different illegal things and he has multiple passports. And given all the evidence that we have against him of just being a complete scum of the earth human being, the Romanian charges could be true. So why are people coming out straight up to just defend them as if they aren't? I just because he has good sound bites that we agree with. Yeah, exactly. I think pimping girls should be illegal, period. And um, what I was um, going to say was that boys around the world know who he is. And, and so we him. need to expose him. That's a really good question. I'm charged with being the head of an organized criminal group, which is in charge of 
recruiting girls to make TikTok videos. They face charges which include human Not trafficking, TikTok rape, videos, and forming a criminal gang to sexually exploit women. OnlyFans is the best hustle in the world. Are they accusing you of using violence or? No. They're accusing me of using the lover boy method. So pause, because our for our podcast listeners, you're going to have to explain those video um, bits. Okay, so number it. one, he says, uh, I train girls to do TikTok. TikTok, but no, it's OnlyFans. He's accused of using the old OnlyFans. And TikTok does not allow, it's not supposed to allow overt nudity like that, sexual things. OnlyFans is just for that. And he is accused of violence, according to the Coercing them by being nice. Nice. I don't mention webcam until after I've had sex with the girl. If you're on dates and you're trying to mention it and shit, it just doesn't work. It puts them off. I'd never do that. That's disgusting. I'm not a whore. Uh, it's just not gonna work. You continue as normal, no mention of webcam. You fuck the girl. After you fuck the girl, you do the PhD test. So yeah, on corporatetape.com, I have my PhD program and that is a uh, PhD is a uh, pimp and hose degree that I'm um, Clever. And that, Clever. That, that, that teaches basically how I got girls, how I met girls, how I got girls to like me, how I got girls to fall in love with me to work on webcam for me. Oh, uh, and you're always working. Why don't you work for me so we spend more time together? Work for you doing what? So I'll have a webcam business. Oh, I don't want to do that. So, okay, I know you don't want to do that, but listen, come, let's have a meeting. Let's just talk about it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Fine. But let me explain it to you properly. In fact, I'll bring one of the girls who works for me. Your bottom bitch is the one who does the selling. You don't do the selling. The girl has to hear from a girl. And this is where your bottom bitch has to be trained. That's why I said it's so important to have a good first girl. Because that's what I did. That was my, my MO was find girls, make them love me and make them work for me. This girl's like, okay, well, I'll try it. Put both girls on camera together the first day. So the new girl can sit there and just sit with the other girl and get drunk. Give him a bottle of vodka. Last night that I worked for him, Andrew bought me like five bottles of wine. So I got completely drunk because I've never done webcam work. So I was very, very nervous. And that's how I got rich. So that teaches everything I know from start to finish about uh, not only getting girls, not only obtaining them, but retaining them. Because that's a completely different game as well. And over time, I just build up this big, this big little empire of webcam girls. At one, one point, I had four locations, 75 girls working for me. I'd take around half of the money, around 50%. You take 50%. Around 50%. They thought they were on 50%. And I said that the disparity is because of taxes. He would just pay me a flat fee of 15 pounds an hour. We got to the point where we had these guys falling in love with my models. Serious, big time in love, right? Sending crazy money. And they were convinced they were going to meet the chick. This is almost where I kind of felt bad. Because they were like, can we meet? I've sent you $200,000. When you look at the money that I was actually bringing in, it just doesn't even scratch the surface. I had these guys selling their houses, life savings, loans, all of it to me. Give me it all. I was all about trying to get paid. Like my mm -hmm. whole... I used sex as a tool to make women love me so they'd obey me and live in my house to make me money. That, that's what I wanted. So I was a pimp in that sense. Were there any other instances where there was physical abuse? I saw him smack girls with a belt. No my ideas? Do you want my ideas? That's right, lock the door, you You knew I was going to beat the out of you. If you behaved, I wouldn't have to hit you, would I? Yeah. You don't. Get out. You can't stay in there forever. Once again, this is an IQ test, right? Because yes. any guy who's bad with women would look at it and go, takes a woman beater. I say it. Look at the camera. This is what happens you don't listen. Look at the camera. Why are you getting hit? Why are you getting beaten? I don't listen. You don't listen. 
you. Do as I say. Any man who's actually a G, who's been around a little so bit. So that particular video, at... there's a lot to that. And that video was taken down off of Twitter. And everybody came to his defense because a gr the girl in that video came out and said it was all for show and for fun. Mm -hmm. But that's not fun. But that's and that's not, and that's a lie. Anybody want no one's that good of an actor. No one is that good of an actor. And if that's what your porn is, what you're giving men is a fantasy of beating women. Exactly. So then again, you're, you're even if it is for fun and play, again, you're a low life. Because why make the video so that men can look at you beating a woman so they can fantasize about beating a woman, having her crying and right. That's <clears throat> that's not the video. Mary Whitehouse, like, where are you? We need you. Go and go. Man, she loved. She wants that. The media machine, they'd call up ex-girlfriends and say, if you have anything bad to say about Andrew, we can pay you $50,000 for the story. And they tried very hard. They didn't find any evidence of anything. And I had gone to the shower. I came back and I noticed he was, like, I saw him raping her. And, um... People say, why did you in Romania? And I explain my five reasons. One of them is the Me Too era. They go, oh, well, you're a rapist. I say, no, I'm not a fucking rapist. But I like the idea of being able to just say, to, to do what I want. I like being free. And of course they don't go out. They're not allowed out. You stay in the house. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly, what would you say, impressed by what he's done on the sex business front. It, it seems to me a bit on the pimpy side, let's say. I get called a pimp a lot. But I, and the reason I use the term is because I don't see it as a negative term. I see it as positively inspirational and motivating person. She has to respect you and love you and want to work with you. And that's done through positive, pimp, positively inspirational and motivating person. I'm going to send you a book. It's okay. a guy called Pimpin' Ken, who's a street pimp in the 90s. And he wrote a book, uh, 50 Laws of the Game. And one of the laws of the game is a hoe without instruction is headed for destruction. They're accusing me of using the lover boy method, coercing them by being nice. Let me read you then what you have said about what you have done. You, can see sure. you have said, my job was to meet a girl, go on a few dates, sleep with her, get her to fall in love with me to the point where she'd do anything I say and then get her on webcam so we, we could become rich together. I don't think that's what I personally said. I think that's, that's exactly what no, you said on your website. That's, that's, no, I've never said that. So yeah, on corporatetape.com, I have my PhD program. The, I think the belief is that you were charged with human trafficking. Yeah, that's human trafficking because what you do is you force a girl to work against her will for financial gain. That's human trafficking. And their justification for this is that girls do TikTok. Some girls I know who they found who say they're not victims have TikTok accounts. Uh, PhD is a pimp and hose degree that I'm... Um, Clever. That... Well, there you go. Andrew Tate in his own words, which actually that clip is far more detailed than even the one that Leah and I did our response to, um, or reaction to. Um, guys, he, I, he I, was dirt poor before he grabbed in five girls that he called them his girlfriends. And he said that he only picks girls who have never done this before. That's called grooming and it is sex trafficking. And so I did a rant and I will continue to do this because I want to end sex trafficking yeah. And he does sex traffic minors. He does look at very young girls. He goes from a Rom Romania. The age of consent there is 14. He says that the, the best girls you can get are 18. Just wait for their birthday. Okay. Just wait for their birthday, 18 or 19 years old, that women are washed up by 25. 
and what we don't have here is the video of um how tristan you saw his brother there for a minute his business is in teaching guys how to sleep with uh multiple virgins every year to just to get them to fall in love with you so that you can take their virginity and then you've got the likes of oh i don't know jason whitlock um Alex Jones. Now we've got Tucker Carlson, um, Mike Cernovich. Who well, else, Leah, this is what has happened. been coming to his defense? So this is what I think happened. Um, uh, Corey got a word from God that Tate, well, not a word from God, Corey in his research found that one of Tate's guys is a hypnotist, okay, and is teaching Tate how to be a hypnotist. And Tate uses his hypnotic yes, tools 100%. on weak-minded men and women. So this Cobra So you're saying Tate, that Alex and Tucker and Mike Cernovich are, and Jason Whitlock are weak they, men? They have, oh yes, they have a weakness. And I bet their weaknesses that all at one point have been addicted to porn. Probably. Because Cernovich talks about it all the time. You can see he used to be angry and he used to talk about raping women and stuff like that when he was addicted to porn. Now he has a family and he speaks out against it. But uh, Cobra Tate needed some of the high-profile men. He needed their money. And he needed to bring in the high-profile men. This is, it's, he's like Mary Kay, but for sex trafficking. Yeah. So you have to go and recruit these high-level people. And he gets not just the money. He made some money. He made his base money and put on a front with the girls. But then he made millions by subscriptions from very eager young men who want to be masculine. And wanted so they, to do what he was doing with his he's PhD got program. a university that you come and be part of. So they make it an exclusive club. They get guys like Paul Joseph Watson and Mike Cernovich and other guys. He goes and he he, he wines and dines them right. to be pimps with him. Right. To, so that to he get can their get, audience. So that, he, so that they can get the... He's also pimping men. Yeah. He's a, he is an equal opportunity pimper. Okay. So he brings these young men in and he's making, you know, however much money. If you can get somebody to subscribe to you for a hundred, two hundred dollars a month. Oh my god. And gosh. you can get four thousand, five thousand. I can't 10, even get people. resistance chicks people to subscribe for five bucks a month. Yeah. On Frank Social or on Rumble. Okay. But I get it. I'm we're not offering that kind of reward, I suppose. Well, he's offering something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Right? He's offering the ability to make a ton of money. But then you have the idea that these soy boys are going to go out into the world and find these girls who are going to do OnlyFans for him, for these, these like, these nerds in the basement addicted but, to porn. But that's why they tell them they need to start going to the gym. you got to work out. It's part of the coaching well, program. And then he you got to start being cooler. Then he sells supplements yeah. to bulk up. So he's like, so it's all part of the thing. Be cooler. Get the cool car. Get bulked up. Take my supplements. I will provide you with the ability to become this great guy. A pimp. And then a pimp. He's teaching people, trying, but he's not very successful. But some guys do do it. And they, what they market it as is, I will take care of your taxes. I'll take care of your, your profiles. I will, well, Tate and his little minions, uh, the messages that a lot of these guys are getting from the girls. They're getting from the pimp. Are from men. And that's why Tate said that he, at, at times, he was feeling bad because these guys would send $200,000 
and think that they're sending it to the girl and they're sending it to Tate. And Tate takes it and then pays the other girls $15 an hour. $15 an hour. And some of the other girls might be thinking, these are trashy girls. Unfortunately, probably low income, especially you're moving to Romania. Very low income. So if they're making a thousand or two thousand dollars a month, they're thinking that they're ignorant. No offense, but they are ignorant. They're thinking that they're making a lot of money. Maybe they're making twice the amount of money. Maybe they're making four thousand a month because I think the average in Romania is like two thousand a month or something. That's the average wage. If they're going to make twice that amount of money, okay, in the United States, maybe they're thinking they're pulling in a hundred grand equal into Romanian money, but they're actually getting uh, the money from Western more more um they're certainly not civilized but uh more developed western countries who have more money and so they're they're these girls are probably pulling in 20 30 40 thousand dollars a month okay and tate says and he's tate, taking 50 percent, but he's taking almost 100 exactly and just giving them a few dollars so anyway guys anyways guys this has been on our um radar for months now we did an inter we did a, a show with the gibson girls about this all this nonsense and garbage and and as a result, not of a show, but but I guess following that, Tate has now come come out of prison. He's still um, the charges are still against him. He hasn't yeah. been tried yet. Right. And so it it's, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this. But you can see very clearly in the the Tucker Carlson interview. That he is uncomfortable, that he is trying to be proper and prim. It's his interview with Tucker is so out of character for him, yeah. and you can see the lies on the face. Like I would love to see Bombard's body, um, that the lady that always does the yeah, mannerisms, to like that. to have her watch Tate during that interview. He yeah. is lying throughout the entire thing. Yeah, I got one more little interesting snip, snippet of, of the interview with him and Tucker Carlson. Um, where his dad, he, he kind of talks about his dad. And the question is, let's see, let's see if I can find it. He asked, oh, did I not retweet it? Maybe, maybe it was on the bottom. Maybe I, book, let me see, I bookmarked it. I know that. Um, would you play this one? What about his dad? Well, listen to he Tucker asked him who is who is his dad. Now his dad supposedly worked for the CIA and Tucker's dad worked for the CIA. But I want you to hear how he describes the Taliban. Taliban even fight and resist the American war machine. They don't stand a chance. Like why are these terrorists even fighting against the American war machine? And my dad said, they're fighting for their way of life. They want their wife and they want their children and they want their society and their language and they don't want pride flags and they don't want American bull I don't know what happened there. Oh, I don't know either. Try, can you go back? Can you hit back? Nope. I'm going to go to my bookmarks. You can see all my bookmarks. I don't care. This American war machine. They don't stand a chance. Like, why are these terrorists even fighting against the American war machine? And my dad said, they're fighting for their way of life. They want their wife and they want their children and they want their society and their language and they don't want pride flags and they don't want American bullshit and they don't want to be told what to do. And they're fighting to be a culture and be a people, which is independent in and of itself. Like, they're not the bad guys you think they are. They're people who are like, why are you here? What do you want? We don't agree with that. That's against our holy book. Fuck off. Right? So even <laughs> there's no such thing as good and bad in any war. And, and, and people, who was your father? My father was a, a chess master. 
Uh, wait, 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 hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so Tucker Carlson's dad is CIA, and Andrew Tate's dad is also CIA. And, and look at look look just look at how how confused like look at that that Tucker look like who's your dad I I have no idea who your dad is but look at look at this face who's your father I've never heard of this guy I've never heard of it I can't believe that that we have so much in common that you know who is I your dad he was a linguist for the CIA yeah he worked for the CIA wow that's crazy my dad too who would have thought look I look whatever right I'm just saying that's bullshit. The idea that like Tucker doesn't know that <laughs> the entertainment. So I get it. And I, guys, we apologize for all the curse words, but there's no other way to I don't have you a bleeping. Segments. I don't have a bleeper. And if somebody would listen, I am, I am happy to hire you for no pay for you to come on, for you to take my shows and, and find but then you the can't do them live. Bleep them out. No, you bleep them out beforehand. I'll send them to you. you can oh, send them I get back it. Bleeped. The clips. I get it. Send I can send you black. I, I can send the, send them back to you bleeped. But, um, Andrew Tate, every 18 year old, every, no, every 15 year old boy in like the whole world, I think knows who he is now. And conservatives are coming to his defense and the liberals are over here. Like are the only ones, Saying, hey, the blood second lawyer over here, and it's and Tucker interviewing him just gave such legitimacy. And 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 the Taliban, come on, man, the Taliban, he's like the Taliban just wanted he literally just uses dog whistles for conservatives. The Taliban just wanted to get LGBT Western things out, they didn't want to wait. No, what about the Bacha boys in uh Mm -hmm. Afghanistan? and they just want to be with their women and protect their women. Have you seen how women are dressed and treated and beheaded and um, uh, gasoline thrown on them and set on fire? Like the Taliban? Like legit, you're going to go on Tucker Carlson and Tucker Carlson going to nod and smile as he defends the Taliban? The Taliban who are known to behead and, and decapitate people and cut their hands off? The day that this interview dropped, you went, you went live and did a video on the deck. Yeah. And you said... Tucker Carlson could have interviewed Jim Caviezel and he or still Tim hasn't. Ballard. And you know what we heard from a lot of people? First of all, people said, yes, he did. No, he didn't. He has not interviewed anyone from The Sound of Freedom, number one. None. Or, well, it takes a, a while for interviews to get set up. And I'm sure that's like on the list. Tucker Are you kidding me? Romania. Are you kidding me? Because Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel have been doing every big name interview that is asked of them like that. So don't tell me it takes time to get interviews set up. Now is the hour. Okay. So everyone who is anyone is interviewing Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel. And it just so, you know why Tucker Carlson didn't interview Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel? Because he had this interview with Andrew Tate set up and they are directly in contrast to one another and he can't he can't he may be able to wait like a good three four weeks and then interview them oh yeah i was gonna do this the whole time no tucker wanted that andrew tate interview and he sacrificed ending sex trafficking to interview a known sex trafficker yeah he did yeah he did tucker's not perfect dude tucker's not perfect man and and when Literally, the whole world is trying to end sex trafficking. And you interview this guy. He's a sex trafficker. 
You're not going to end sex trafficking. We will, like, Cheryl literally. says, please keep him locked up. In Jesus' name. All right. Um, Hilt says, and now he's a dirtbag. Yes. Uh, Britbot says, real men don't hit. In fact, they deserve to get a serious beating themselves if they hit women. This guy wouldn't last five minutes in the real UK. He would get one heck of a beating. Sir the Brit says, if I know Romanians, a um, bullet in the head is awaiting him at some time in the future. Uh, Britt Boz says, Michelle, the money that is monthly, uh, the monthly wage in Romania is nowhere near 2,000 pounds a month. It's most likely a third of, if that much, in Romania. They are very poor with no infrastructure, healthcare, and basically it's Europe's only third world nation. Um, thank you. James says, we are forgiven for the curse words. Um, so, all right. He literally has Cobra, like Cobra mist, mystery. Cobra. That's yes. Mystery. It, uh, no hope in your week. I'm telling you guys, this is the lowest of low. If you find anybody that's defending Andrew Tate, take a pause from listening to them for a while until they wake up to this, because this is just, I mean, I can't, I, I can't, I'm not going to be listening to Tucker. No way. Not until he repents for the Andrew Tate thing. All right, Leah, what's left for today's that's show? It. That's it for Facebook? That's it. Oh, that's it's it. Leaving that's it. It's leaving one for two and a half hours. That's, we're, it's over. We're done. All right. Well, you had some Nigel clips. It's on the banking. We will, we'll be back to the banking, I'm We sure. will be back. All right. This coming week. Let's see. What do we have up and coming? So on Wednesday mornings, you may not know this, but we go live on Real America's Voice roughly around 8.40 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We always do a fun clip there. Then Revelation Red Pill Wednesday this week, Leah, we're going to take y'all back to Eden, the place that God designed for mankind to be. How did God, if you wanted to, if you want to know how we are supposed to live as Christians, what was God's original design and purpose? What happened with the fall of Adam and Eve and mankind and, and getting back to that. So we're going to have the fellas. I don't know how many of them are going to come back this week, but it'll possibly be all four of them. Who knows? Corey Gray, Jason Heidinger, Serge DeRosa, and Rob Allen. Um, so look forward to that. So that's every single Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're not watching Revelation Red Pill, go to resistancechicks.com, click on shows, go to Revelation Red Pill, and you've got a lot to catch up on, or you can go to the playlist on our Brighton show. Speaking of Brighton, every Friday... 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on brighton.tv, and then the after show for World News. Now, I want you to put on your calendars. This is very important. Thursday night at 8 p.m., we're going to be doing a live premiere of what I'm going to refer to as the Resistance Chick's very first 60 minutes deep dive into something very nefarious that is happening in Northern Ohio by Ross Industries, which is right now a light hazardous material waste um, processing plant. And the Aaron Brockovich type situation that is happening in Ohio and its tie to the attempted, I don't even know what the word is, because how do you get rid of the toxins from East Palestine? Destruction of the uh, toxins from East Palestine and how this big giant industry is utilizing this small town where cancers are spreading and they're trying to change the zoning so that they can become a heavy industrial plant. There was a moratorium on the change of zoning in Ohio 
for all of these processing plants. And yet Ross Industries, which just so happens to be a giant, um, big money-making place and willing to take the waste from East Palestine, gets the okay from our corrupt governor, Mike DeWine. So we're going to have on two ladies that are fighting this um, here in Ohio. And I want you guys, this is going to be one of the bigger shows that we've ever done because this is this needs to spread far and wide. And I'm going to ask you guys a favor. I'm going to ask you to send it to every influencer, every podcaster, every host of every show that you guys watch and say, please have these ladies on. Please showcase this. Because if they get this passed, it's we're looking at a, a, an endless cycle of this kind of waste, not just from East Palestine, because remember, East Palestine was a spill. But these products still have to be destroyed somehow. And yet they want to do this big, giant landfill, essentially, where this is going to seep into the, and it's going to go into the waterways. And, and, and if they can tie this to Lake Erie, then we're looking at an international hazard. Okay, because of where the where the rivers go and where the waterways go. So, um, guys, I'm telling you what. Tune in Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're not going to want to miss that show. Um, all right, so before we say goodbye, though, I have a couple of things that I want to remind you of. This past week, we interviewed Lynette Zhang. Uh, ITM, ITM Trading. Trading. This interview was so good. If you, a lot of you are coming to me. I got a phone call this week from somebody that we met at the Tampa Reawaken tour. Um, and Elaine, and she was like, I am scared. I've got a little bit of an inheritance. I don't know anything about gold and silver. Please, what do you think? I mean, what should I do? And I'm like, I can't tell you what to do, but that's why you need to call ITM Trading. Because they, you can get the free strategy call. Call 1-866-950-7776. So can I rephrase that? I can tell you what to do if you've got a few thousand dollars. Like what we do mm -hmm. with silver. We go to SD Bouillon. But if if it were up to me, and I'll just be straight up honest with you. I don't keep telling this to you. If I had thousands of dollars, I'm doing gold. I want to be an investor in gold, uh, not an investor. I would like my wealth preservation to be in gold. I feel like gold is number one, but there is something to be said for those of us who don't have thousands and thousands of dollars. Okay. We, we don't, it's okay. We don't. And the barter ability is what we need to be at is where we need to be at because we have put our investments into our home Right. Into our trees. Mill. And let's say you don't have a lot of land. How are you going to preserve your wealth? Right. Gold. Right. Okay. If you can, that's what I would do. If you've got it, if you have, if you have a decent amount of money, but they're going to show you at ITM trading, how to diversify that between, Hey, you might need to get some land, get some water and then gold for your wealth preservation. And then when the stock market crashes and it's going to crash, we're going to need to trade and gold's not going to be my means of trading. What's going to be my means of trading? Silver and especially junk silver because junk silver has a date on it. And that date tells everybody that it has the silver content, what silver content it has. So the pre-1960, mm -hmm. right, coins, all of that kind of junk silver, it's, it has, it's, it's silver content is right there on the, the coin. It's and like so, 90%. So I'm going to be doing junk silver and these little puppies that... Where, where it went? Somebody stole it. The dog ate it. No clue. 
Lost oh. our silver dollar. No, there, there it is. is. Go get her. These. My point was dollars. this. Leah's going on a rabbit trail that we can give you guys oh, every week. I wanted to I didn't tell this feel story. Like it was That's a okay. Rabbit trail. I just wanted to tell you this. You said I can't tell you, but I was saying if you're under two or three thousand, I can tell you. That's what right. I'm right. What I mean is when it comes to Elaine has ten acres. She's got some horses. She wants to do some chickens. She, maybe she wants to do some water um, collection. Maybe she wants to build some barns and some outbuildings. Um, they the, the, the reason why I keep pushing you guys to ITM trading, for those of you that are, are scared, are you, there are a lot of you. I know we've got a lot of viewers and, and we address you guys all the time. Just pray. Michelle, I'm living in my car. I get that comment almost every single week, actually, from someone. I'm, we are praying to get you out of that car, okay? I don't have anything left over. What am I supposed to do? Guys, God is going to take care of you. It's a matter of switching the mindset to this is God's money, okay? But there are a lot of you that watch our show and you are sitting on cash money in your IRA, in your 401k, in your um, just savings account. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I've, I, I'm so scared to buy gold and silver. I don't understand it. We... If you're at that place, I can't walk you through that every single week on the show for all of the, but, but ITM trading can. So call them. It is a free strategy, strategy call. Well, the Lynette has land. She's got the food, shelter, community, barterability, the whole wealth shield. And when you call them, you can say, all right, I've got $75,000. I don't want to put $75,000 into gold and silver. I need to keep some cash back. I need to, um, I would like to get some land maybe. Um, you know, I, maybe I want to build an outbuilding. They will, like, what What? What kind of products am I supposed to buy? The, I don't consider them products. They're actually money, but they're called products. All of that. So I'm just saying that the, the, the why, why do we keep sending you guys to ITM Trading? Why have we been sending you guys there for six years? They've been in business for 27 years. When, when Elaine called me this week, she's like, do you trust them? I'm like, I've been sending people there for six weeks. I mean, six years. Like, of course I trust them. Well, I, but here's I, I the thing. I totally trust them. But to you need to give people a reason to, not just because I say so. Don't ever take my word for it. They've got great reviews. Yes, on the Better 100%. Business Bureau. That's why I said 27 years in business. They have every reason to want to continue. But in business. And their reviews are amazing. The people that have gone through ITM trading that we've sent... Send us messages. Thank you. It was a phenomenal experience. You guys, it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth. So I appreciate when you don't trust what I'm saying. Yeah. And you want more proof. And so... No, but what I'm saying is Elaine said to me, do you trust them? That's still... Well, she wants to know why. Right, but not really. Oh, okay. She just wanted to say, do you trust them? Okay. Well... I, I've been telling you about them for six years. So that well, that, that question should well, be answered, should go without saying. Yeah, but my like my mom always taught me, don't ever trust anybody that says just trust me. And so But that's what she was calling. I'm saying in this specific instance. I know, but I'm gonna give people a reason why. Yes, I don't want to be like because Leah and Michelle said. No. I don't want never. you to do right. something because But Leah there is hang on though, but there is something I don't want you to do it because I said so. However, you guys are coming to our show and I can tell you this. I am never going to recommend that you go to a place that I don't trust. You can take that for, that's not me saying you should trust me. That's just me saying I trust them. Okay. Yeah. But we don't have time to play a clip. I don't think from okay. Lynette, but my point is I just want you guys short. to what I really wanted to address 
Why I brought it up, because we're going to bring it up every week. Because Can I just play the short one right we here? We can. Play short. What I had wished that I had had a time to say on Friday, but I left early. And um, you, did the, you did the ITM thing on Friday. There are a lot of people that are very confused and scared of holding. You feel like if you, if you let go of a fiat dollar and you make that leap into gold and silver, that something bad will happen. Yeah. ITM trading can walk you through how that is, that is an, a, an unconstitutional mindset. Because oh, this is so real money. Yeah. You should never be afraid of trading in fake money for real money. Yeah. Full stop. Full stop. All right. We're going to end with a short here from Lynette. I wanted to play this one. This is proof you don't have your this money. Is... I, don't, I didn't scream share yet. Oh, well. The deposit. Put my earbud back in here. Hang on, Lynette. As an insurance fund balance, also known as the diff. And these are the insured deposits. So there's your 9.9 trillion. But oh my goodness, they only have 124.458 billion to insure 9.9 trillion? Does that seem about right to you? No, that's 0.0126 pennies for every dollar insured dollar. So that means that as long as only one bank and they go down in an orderly fashion, you're not going to know it. But if there is indeed a real crisis in a lot of those big banks, you saw the four big insured banks, they go down at once. You, my friends, will notice. This is the deposit insurance there you fund go. Balance. That's the deposit insurance fund. They, the banks are not insured. If they go down, if they really go down, then everything you not have there. goes down with you. So just to reiterate where Leah was very confused about what I said when I said, I can't tell you what to do. I wasn't Elaine can't confused. call I was... me. Elaine can't call me and say, Michelle, I've got, I'm going to make up a, a number. I'm not going to give her a number. I'm just a completely made number. I've got $30,000. Please tell me what to do. I can't tell you what to do with that. I'm not going to tell you what to do with that. I am not going to give you the strategy shield for what I think you should do with your money. But I will tell you this, that ITM trading, they are professionals at helping to guide you through what they will help you figure out what you want. And right. then they will guide you through that. So when I say, I can't tell you, no, you all don't get to call me on the phone and say, Michelle, I got a hundred grand. What do I want to do with it? Cause I'm not going to do that. I cannot tell you what to do with your money. I can give you broad ideas. Y'all should have food. You should have shelter. You should have land. You should have animals. You should have gold and silver. You should have a little bit of cash set aside for a couple of months to withstand economic collapse. You should have food stores. You should have all of those things. But I'm not going to give you the pie chart of how to break that down. But actually, ITM Trading can do that. Yeah. And that's not my job. That's their job. That's why we're sending you guys there. Plus, it is very scary to pull out of your IRA and your 401k and all of those things. I don't know anything about that. But we do have friends that ask us on, on the short term. And that's all I was saying was that with right. uh, with less than $2,000, I can. It's a really simple strategy. And we give it to people all the time. Yeah, it's not really a strategy. It's, hey, ITM trading has a limit of $1,000 for purchases. So if you have $1,000, do what Lee and I do. 
um, every couple of months, we've got a couple hundred dollars and we get, you know, a couple silver coins, whatever. Like that's, that's the level we're at. If you're there, you can use, and it's not just SD Bouillon, you can use Money Metal Exchange as well. So there's lots of places. But we like SD Bouillon because they're a Christian company. So is Money Metals Exchange. Oh, they are. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, you guys, I think that's it. That's all we've got because we, we stayed on that one for a really long time, but it's really, really important because I'm telling you what, the video that I did a while ago, I said, what do you guys think the other shoe to shop drop is going to be? Is it going to be alien invasion or economic collapse? A lot of you said both, actually, uh, and it could be, but economic collapse, we're in it. We're living in it. And so God has graciously given us a little bit of extra time to get out. So we will see you guys Wednesday night for our Revelation Red Pill Wednesday. If you missed the flyover conservatives episode that we did this past week, it was so good. So good. Leah didn't remind you guys of that on Friday. And I'm frantically walking a dog and saying flyover conservatives, flyover conservatives. I did. If you did, it was well after I it was, it was well before the end of the show. Yeah. I told people, Hey, go and watch the two. Go and watch we... it. It was, you know what? I keep getting these comments. These are two, two of my favorite people on one screen. I'm getting, I'm getting beat up at the end of the show. Aren't I? You're not getting you beat up. You didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. This is pretty I hot. didn't say you did. All I said is you didn't... didn't tell them about the flyover conservatives. Yeah. That's okay. not beat up. Lee didn't understand. What didn't you understand? About how you can't tell people. You didn't understand. That's not a beat up. You did. I was, I wanted that because I just wanted to get to reiterate what I was, where I was getting. Oh, we've got dogs to walk. We love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's the truth. And if you want to see our God's Little Acre entrance renovation from start to finish, Patriot Gallery did a combo video of all of that that you can go and watch as well. So, um, very, very excited that she put all that together. So you can just watch it all in one fell swoop for those of you that didn't get it. You're like, I'm not watching a 10 minute video here. Well, guess what? It's all combined now into an hour and you can see it from start to finish and see the completed project. So we love you guys. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth. And we will see you next time right here on Resistance Chicks. Bye guys. Oh, my God.